previously on AFTN. Lions and tigers and bears. Oh my, that's it. Oh, that's the term. Okay. Yeah, I was thinking of something like that. I kind of blanked on that. Which player didn't have a heart? Okay, so who, yeah. who, was the, who was a lion? <laughs> who was a lion? Who was the tiger? Who's got a bear? ponytail and he's blonde? <laughs> oh. To everyone out there in Cascadia world, uh, this is the AFTN Soccer Show. There's still time, broadcasting live from the CITR FM studios at the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam territory. If you're listening to this on the podcast, this is episode 291. My name is Steve Pander. And I'm Michael McCall, calling all the way in from the Oregon coast. Yeah, so I'm in Upper Cascadia, you're in Lower Cascadia, and our th- third compatriot is stuck somewhere in middle cascadia yes this was not how we saw the show going tonight, no no zach's not made it back to canada yet hopefully he is able to call in for later but i uh, there's just little chance of that happening but we'll see what happens but let's get right into it i say let's just jump into it uh the way yeah. the, the whitecaps jumped into the game yesterday what a win for them i didn't i didn't see it coming uh, we were talking about last week, oh, we thought, oh, this is an affordable loss. They can lose this, no problem. What, Michael, what did you see down there? I, I was stunned. I, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think many people really fancied the, the Caps to go there and even get a point, never mind three points. I was kind of expecting a team that would get put out to, to maybe bunker, try and keep your big guns on the bench, maybe bring them on in the last third of the match to try and either maybe sneak an equaliser if they were behind or to, to sneak a winner. But they went for it from the start and it was an entertaining game. Some of the more recent Cascadia games, not just for the Caps, but with also Sounders and Timbers, they've not been that exciting, but this was an end-to-end stuff. Well, especially in the first half where uh, usually the Whitecaps kind of sit back and uh, let things happen and everything, but this this time they went for it. Um, it's something I wish they would do regularly, like especially on the road. Um, when they're expecting you to sit back, why not just go for it and go for chances? And while they did concede a lot of possession, obviously all the possession, because if you look at the MLS uh, site where you see possession by five minutes, I don't think the Whitecaps had one five-minute interval where they con- had more possession. Yeah. But, and I would think it was like, uh, uh, what, a 70 to 30 or something? I can't remember exactly what the stats were. But. Yeah, 69-31, so basically 70-30. Yeah. And it, it certainly felt that. 
Because, I mean, I'm saying it was an end-to-end game. Yeah, first half was end-to-end. Second half, it, it was, was just all in the one end. It was slanted one way. Like, uh, I, was, yeah. uh, I was talking to somebody about the they parked the bus. You know how the wheels on the bus go round and round? There was no round and round on this one. This part, bus was parked, and they weren't moving it at all. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, they, they did well. It, it begs the question, where did it come from? I mean, we've talked before. We know this is a talented team. If all the starters or all the top guys play to their max, but getting them to do that week in, week out is an almost impossible task. Was this just one of those games where, where everyone played to their limits? I, I think they had a general uh, a plan. I think I think this. I think I don't think it's no accident that they were really going after them. But I think they really connected well, and everything went right for them for once. Uh, you know, people talked about after the game. Oh, uh, you know, did did they kind of luck out on this one? But there's been games. Uh, we uh, obviously Robbo keeps reminding us about the Colorado game where they they dominated that game, had so many chances but couldn't put it past. This is the opposite where Portland had the chances and. Vancouver couldn't, I mean, they couldn't get past Vancouver and Vancouver was able to capitalize on their few chances. I don't think this is indicative of what you're going to see down the road, like for the rest of the season, but because I don't think they can afford that. I don't think you can sit back for a whole half and soak that much pressure up. I don't, don't think my heart could afford it because like sitting there for, for that game and the, the fans as well in the stands, that was a long second half. Yeah. And if, if you, a team if, is not going to do that week in, week out. If you if you talk, you know you talk about like you know you clench your butt when you're like in, in, in under stress like that there were a lot of like <laughs> tight butts last night <laughs> yesterday oh boy yeah um where do you see this win ranking in terms of the best games or performances of the season is it right up there just because it's it's against the rival it's on the road and you nobody was expecting anything from this game well at least uh, I, I, us uh, and nobody except the players obviously yeah. I, th- I think, for me, it is right up there. I asked a couple of the guys after the, the game if they felt that way, and Kai Kamara didn't think so, Robbo didn't think so, and yeah, they, they keep coming back to like Colorado, Houston, but for the defensive showing and being under so much pressure and not buckling, considering what we've seen in recent weeks defensively from this team, I have it as the, as the best game of the season so far. Hopefully there's better ones to come, but it's right up there for me. Definitely top three. I would probably have it number one. I don't know about you. I I I, I think definitely top three. Uh, I think because of the circumstances, the way they were able to just just absorb all that pressure and you and and, and yeah, I, I agree with you there. That it's definitely one up there. I have to go back. I didn't really think about it too much. I'm, it's because so many games melded together. It's hard to pick up a certain yeah. game here and there. There was a game where they dominated completely and really took up the scoreline. I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, I, I I think definitely there. And the, and the great thing is with that win, they basically balance their, the, the points they've lost on the road at home so far with the points they've, uh, you know, gained on the road. So I think, I think, I I think they dropped 14 points at home and now they picked up 14 points on the road. So it's kind of balanced now because we talked about always, if you're undefeated at home, if you could pick up a few points on the road, then you're basically in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it seems to have been the the most road wins in a season since 2014. And we've still got some games to go. A lot, there's 10 games left. A lot of them are at home. It's five or six that's at home. I think it's the six. And they need to get their home form back to what it, 
what it should be and what teams that win championships, teams that make the playoffs do well at home. It's great doing this on the road, but you have to take your points at home. Anything we pick up on the road is basically just gravy now. Um, a quick breakdown. Let's let's do a quick breakdown of the main talking points. Before, obviously, going into the game, first of all, the lineup. Um, it wasn't really a sub- major surprise because we're expecting some of the players like Davies and everybody to, to be injured. Obviously, we knew Daniel Henry uh, broke his wrist because because of yeah, what happened after yeah. that previous game. But were you surprised at how many first choices got the nod? Um, I think you pretty much called the team, but Tacheria and Kamara kind of surprised all of us that they were going to, especially Kamara, considering he came off and he was really dead tired at the end of the last game. Um, thought of people thought her title might get the start, especially being in Oregon. What did you think? Yeah, I, I, I thought her title would. Being the Oregon guy, which of course was mentioned a lot, I thought he would get the start. And I thought he had maybe deserved it as well because he has done so well the last two games. To share a start and also surprise me because I thought you would want to keep him fresh for Wednesday. When I was trying to put together what I thought the team would be, I'd pretty much had it as it was. But that sort of left-right midfield, Shea was obviously going to take one of the positions, but they're down to the bare bone. So it was trying to work out, would they maybe play Felipe out wide or would they play Mosquito out wide and have Reina start? But you want to keep Reina for Wednesday. Kamara was a surprise. He went 72 minutes. And I hope he isn't as tired as he said he was after the game because he said he was exhausted. But a bit of a surprise. I think it worked. And it's something we've talked about before. Don't make wholesale changes. Don't change 9, 10, 11 players. Do this. Have some of the first team guys with the second stringers. Then you get a better performance out of them. Yeah, for sure. And then obviously, talk. let's talk about Kai right now. He grabbed his 10th goal of the season. Um, in the 14th minute, it wasn't ex- uh, it was it was a I think a, a Watson sent in the ball, which you <laughs> yeah. don't expect that to be a, that that combination to work. Um, but you know, fantastic flick header. But for, forget the header. What was the goalkeeper thinking? Obviously, he, Kamara saw him coming out, and that's why he did the header like that. Or else, I don't think he would even attempt that on the on the on the net. Yeah. Afterwards, Kamara had said he basically saw in his peripheral vision that Atanella had come out. And he said he had heard the, the keeper and the defender talking, so he knew he was coming out. So he, he knew if he just nudged the ball, then it was going to be an open goal and he just had to get it on target. But I had no idea of what he was thinking. I mean, if you come out like that, you have to at least try and get to the ball. He was nowhere even near it. There was no way he could even have challenged Kamara. Whether he thought it was going to go deep and go over Kamara's head, I, I don't know. But the, the preview guys were talking about what a good season he'd been having and he was like a, a real solid core for Portland. That's probably been his worst mistake of the year and it really, really cost his team. Yeah, and then uh, you you were mentioning off air that he, he kind of joked that he never thought he'd be, get, be getting an assist from Waston. Um, but it yeah. was a nice ball in there. Uh, Tachera had a great chance in the twentieth minute. Um, what what did you think of that? What, like he obviously um, could have got it, but it just obviously you, you were thinking that you don't want to miss up these opportunities because you don't know how many you're going to get during the game. I mean, that was a great opportunity. It was a fast break. I think it was Nico that that broke, played the ball to the bug. He wanted it on his proper foot, though. And top footballers 
they can't do that. It's like you've got to take your opportunity when it comes. You've got to be two-footed. But cutting inside, it made the whole break fall down. He was closed down, couldn't get it shot off. I thought that was going to come back to haunt them. Thankfully, it didn't. But he needs to be more confident and just shoot with his other foot in a situation like that. Yeah, definitely. And then the, obviously the five minutes. Uh, I actually, I was gonna, I was I actually had the tweet ready where I had a meme with like you know about five minutes. Um, but um, I I was about to send it, and then the penalty happened. Um, where obviously it was like I, I think Waston knew it was a penalty. He didn't even argue or anything like that. Um, but. It, it, it looked like that was, you know, it was going to happen again where in the final five minutes it was going to go against the Whitecaps. But talk about the penalty and what you thought leading up to that one and what happened afterwards. Uh, I mean, when it happened, they had done so well, it looked like they would probably hold on. It was a clear penalty. I mean, there was, there's no denying it. Waston went right through him. But, I mean, Valeri had flicked the ball away. So it, I, I think... Waston, even if he still had the ball, would have gone through him. But, I mean, Valeri did well to, to flick the ball away and then stepping up to take it. You would put money on Valeri burying that. But firing it wide afterwards, uh, Marunovic was kind of joking that he thought he'd psyched him out yeah. because he knew he always went that way. Well, Marunovic, uh, Marunovic is going to take credit because you know, even though he went the wrong way, he's going to think that he, he's... Yeah. But so, I mean, to miss a penalty like that in a big game like that, that is just so not like Valeri. But I, be, I believe a on the huge let off. Yeah, I believe on the broadcast they said it was only a second miss all, all time at, at the at the spot, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, Possibly wow. second or third since he came into MLS. But then it was a, basically that last five minutes. It was a it was basically a two goal swing because instead yeah. of going one one, it became two nothing because Tichera making up for the miss in the twentieth minute finished. Uh, with a header of all things from Brexit. Yeah, you, you don't. I mean, we've we've joked and we've been annoyed by the fact of how many crosses come into the box onto Teixeira's head. Smallest guy in MLS, we seem to pump the balls into him when you've got Kai Kamara there. But in this case, it worked. It was a great break. And like Shea's cross, we know that's what he can do, we know he has the skill. We've seen him score great goals. We've seen him do a couple of assists recently as well. If he could just do this on a consistent basis, Breck Shea would be worth the money that, that, well, maybe not all of it, but he would be definitely worth a high salary. No, oh, yeah. Well, some people won't. I, like, like, as you can see in yeah, the intro, I don't I don't, I, I'm not going to give him the, all the credit, but yeah, for sure. You knew Portland was going to come out blazing in the second half. And, you know, yeah. they, they had this 15-game unbeaten streak alive. They were constantly going after them. There was that early chance where they just tipped it over the bar off the header. So many scrambles. How was it? Like, I was I was so under pressure, like, at home. How was it in the stadium? And and what did you think? Because they just couldn't get it up the field, it seemed like. And when they did, it was just to basically just kick it as far as up so they get some, a little bit of rest. Well, yeah, because, like, in the, in the Providence Park press box, the visiting team are at the end that the Whitecaps were shooting in the second half. We saw very little action up that end. And it was just one-way traffic. It felt like a goal was coming. Everything seemed scrambled. And from that vantage point as well, you could see how tired some of the players were. And I, I think Robbo did well making the subs when he did to kind of freshen it up. I like to kind of switch a formation 
to go five at the back, really, and kind of soak up the, the pressure a little bit more. But the downside of that is you then are not getting the ball out because there's nobody to take the ball away. And all they would do is just punt the ball up the pitch and there was no one there. So then the waves of pressure would just come back in again to them. So not ideal. It was really tense. The fans were getting frustrated from a Portland side as well. So at least when, when the opposition, or in this case the home fans, are getting frustrated, it's a good thing. you know you're doing something right. Yeah, and but then the goal did come. Um, it, 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 you, you thought it was going to come out of play, but then it ended up being a penalty. It was a really weird play where uh, they had everybody in the middle there, Boston, Mond, and then Franklin on the right, and they kind of switched up. I don't know which, which Portland player it was, but he kind of went on the other side of Waston, which Waston followed him, and then Franklin kind of followed him, and that opened up the gap between Franklin and Nowitzki, and Blanco just was able to get in there. Franklin did get a push on him. It wasn't the harder push, but it was a push. And when you're going that fast down the field or you know into the box, any kind of push on that momentum is going to knock you down. The referee really had no choice in this one, right? Well, see, a lot of the, the Caps players, and they would say this, but they, they felt it wasn't a penalty. My first instinct of watching it live was that was a penalty because you see Franklin's arm out. You see it's in the back of Blanco. Blanco's obviously going to go down, as any player would in a situation like that. Franklin, yeah, it was soft. But Franklin cannot put the referee in that position to make that call. Because it's an ins- you can review it on VAR, but it has to be conclusive that it's not a penalty. And his hand was out. He touched him. So you're making the referee do that call. And I, I don't think there was a lot of complaint with it. No, it wasn't just a touch. It was a shove. It was not a heavy shove, um, but it was a shove. And like I said, when you're running like that, any kind of clip or anything can... I don't think it was a dive for sure. I think you did knock him over. Um, then you had uh, the Valeri, uh, uh, the Marinovic save on Valeri. That was part of that you know rough ending where it looked like they were yeah. going to maybe give up two points. And then you got... It looked like they were just like couldn't even get get up the field at all. Only the only person who seemed to have energy was Hurtado and Nerwinski, who I think was a vital sub, um, massive sub compared to considering how many clearances. Like I, they had fifty three clearances, seven of them by Nerwinski, who came on in the sixty first minute, and that's huge. <laughs> I think yeah. I felt, and I wasn't even going to look up that stat, but then every time I looked up, Nerwinski was clearing the ball off the off the far post. It was like like two or three times. Then I looked it up and I saw what he had. And it was, it was just amazing by the end of the game. What they did some excellent time wasting, which I think really went into your wheelhouse there. What did you think about oh, yeah. that? Getting them over the line and how that worked out. Well, you, you have to do that. You've got to have clever game management. Yes. People don't like to watch it, but when it's your team doing it, I have no, no problems with it. I'd rather that, than them to try and play football, give the ball away, get caught up the pitch, and then they let a goal in. There were some injuries going down. Marinovic was going down. He seemed totally fine after the game. So we've got players that are able to do stuff like that. Felipe was getting in and around people as he usually does. and I mean, Chara had a great chance, and he went down in the box. He, He dived in the box, and it's... so. Portland were trying to con the referee to get stuff. So why should the Whitecaps not try and con the referee to waste time? But then you see a seven minutes go up for stoppage time and you think, 
yeah, it's not really worked. It's kind of backfired a bit because he's just added all this time on. Yeah, and then they and then they, they wasted. I think they wasted plenty of time and in injury time too. And there was that moment. I I don't know. Maybe did Robbo talk about this? Like what the referee came over to? Was he complaining and he just the the referee had to talk to him to calm him down or something? What what was going on in that injury time when the referee came over to Robbo? No, they never really mentioned it too much on the TV. Yeah, Robbo, as usual, was kind of mouthing off to the fourth official. Okay. About what was what was a penalty, what wasn't a penalty. So then he was talking so much that the referee then has to go and speak to him, which that w- then just wastes more time. Exactly, and that kind of worked out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, final thoughts for now. Uh, we're obviously going to go to break soon. Uh, what does You were there, obviously, in the locker room or outside the locker room. What does this win do to the mentality? Like, well, how were the te- how were they? And, and, and their belief, not only going to TFC, but then their last 10 matches in MLS. Well, the... The mood in the locker room was joyous beyond belief. Having been down to Seattle a couple of weeks ago where it was just like a morgue in that locker room and we were kept waiting for 50 minutes to speak to Robo because he was like tearing a chunk off them. This was just tremendous and they were playing Eminem, Slim Shady. They were all singing, singing along to My Name Is. Um, they were going to go for voodoo donuts. Robo said he was buying. Yeah, that, I saw that tweet from a number of people. <laughs> so it was it was really upbeat, and I think this gives them the confidence to know that they can go to these tough places, and they've got some tough road games coming up. They've got to go to LAFC, penultimate game of the season. LAFC's falling down the table. That could be massive. Going to Toronto now on Wednesday. This is the ideal preparation for that because it gives them the confidence that they can they can go and they can defend and they can perform and they can get wins. So it should be massive, but it's only going to be massive if they now follow on and do something with it. Did we did we overlook the previous New York City FC away game? Uh, you know, uh, maybe that was somewhat of a turning point. We I know I know it's a two two draw, but. Uh, again, the game where you weren't expecting much, and they were able to pull the two-two draw, and and the fact that they came back and 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 not came, sorry, not came back, but they were with down ten men and tied TFC two-two, and it was on a fluke last-minute goal. Do you think that those two games kind of propelled them into this game? Possibly. I mean, we we maybe do underestimate what they did in New York because that was a big, big point that they got, all things considered, and. I mean, even the TFC game, yeah, it's disappointing that they didn't get the win in the end. But to come away from that, playing the way they did in the second half, to still be in the tie, I mean, these are the kind of things that maybe we do underestimate the the battling quality of of this team. And Robbo's been making a point recently, feels like almost every interview, where he says, do not question my team's heart, do not question their effort. Although, interestingly, I do feel he's saying that after questioning their heart and effort in Seattle. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah, for sure. And we'll obviously we'll hear from Robbo and uh, I think Stefan Marinovic and the Portland coach after these messages. Hey, it's Stefan Marinovic and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Second part, uh, let's talk a little bit more about the Caps. But before we do that, um, let's hear what the coaches had to say. Um, first, we're going to ha- talk to Portland's Geo... Sarvesi and then obviously Robbo as well. So here there are two coaches. 
It's going down. It's going down. I'm yelling timber. You better move. You better move. You better dance. Giggity. Let's make a night. Yeah, bitch, you you won't dance. remember. I'll be the one. I'll be the one. You won't forget. Oh, I thought that uh, first of all we we start the match the way we wanted. We open the match, so that's why we play with the diamond, and uh, we went with something different, a more attacking-minded team. Um, and in the first half, maybe some of the, our mistakes, uh, they were able to capitalize. They scored the two goals, um, and I thought the second half was all all us. Um, we uh, gave everything that we had in the second half. Um, you know, we scored the goal. We couldn't get back into it. Credit to Vancouver. They came with a plan. Uh, they executed it. They were able to get uh, the goals that they needed in the first half, taking advantage of our mistakes. And in the second half, they, they defended. They defended uh, everything that we throw at them, which it was a lot. And, um, and they, they got a, you know, an important victory. Well, one thing you can't do with those boys in there is question their hearts. I think we saw two different halves of football today. You know, first of all, I'll say they're a terrific team, Portland. They got they got excellent players. We know that. We knew they're unbeaten in 14 games, so we knew it was going to be a challenge with the rotation I had with the squad as well. The first half, the boys handled themselves immaculately. We caught them uh, in transition two or three times. Uh, we scored two good goals, but we knew the second half was going to be totally different. Um, Gio made some adjustments, as he's done most games this year, and, and credit to him for that, which caused us problems. But we just don't go under we just hang in there when you know we're bending but we don't break and even in the last minute you know we after Wednesday night I think it was I've lost my days now um, conceding in the last minute was was tough uh, but we didn't do that today so the players deserve a load of credit in there and it's great when you play against your rivals the atmosphere is unbelievable the intensity is unbelievable uh, and the performance was unbelievable with the game coming thick and fast yeah. does this feel like the best win that you've had this season Possibly. I think the supporters might say that it is, you know, but when we go to Columbus and we win and we go to Houston and we get good results like that, it's it's always good. We've had some nice performances at home. Any win is good, you know, whether you win 1-0. I know people might say it's not entertaining and attacking and all that nonsense, but I don't buy into that. I keep getting told, it's, is it about possession? Is it Apparently, when you have lots of possession and you don't get a result, it's about results. When you don't have much possession, you get a result, then it's, it's about possession. So, listen, apples and oranges. A lot of the goals this year, you can maybe pinpoint to bad defending. Today, though, it seemed like every single man played a defensive part and it was a really strong defensive team effort. It was. Listen, and you know, obviously they had a couple of penalties and I was trying to speak to Mr Marufo and ask him what was the difference between one and the other. And um, So we had a good conversation with that. Um, sometimes you get a little bit of luck. You know, we needed a little bit of luck today. You're not going to win here or when you, whenever you go away from home. If you don't get a little bit of luck, you won't get a result. Uh, we've not got luck at certain times this year, but we have got luck at other times. And today we got a little bit of luck, but we played really well. First half, we were terrific. What has Kamara meant to you guys this season? Who, sorry? Kai. <laughs> yeah, I love Kai to bits. And, you know, he's had a number of clubs in the league and he's played in Europe. And, uh, you know, until you get to work with him, you don't actually know what he's like as a person. Get to know him as a person. He's a... He's a very colourful character. He enjoys his dancing, usually sometimes being naked and stuff like that. But, you know, you, you have to get to know him. 
and I've certainly got to know him. And he doesn't agree with my decisions sometimes, but tough. I'm the manager, so he respects it. Um, and my job is to get the best out of him. And when he plays like that, he's a platform for the team. And we've got so many young players in and around him. I needed a leader. You know, when, when Freddie Montero left last year, it was important I got a, a leader in that sort of role. And he's been phenomenal. He, he really is a joy to work with. That was the gaffer, obviously talking about Kai Kamara's uh, kind of like uh, too much information TMI uh, there with Kai Kamara's. Uh, you were mentioning that you you would you can't wait for the uh, outtakes on the dancing. Yeah, because I mean the Caps video everything these days, so I mean that that could be interesting. Yeah, it's, he is a character. Okay. Uh, it could be a new section as well for the for the show because I, naked dancing might work better on the radio it should yeah for sure and it's, you know i don't think we have to rate it any like pg or rated r or anything like that um oh, we, we, we do it every week in the studio yeah. so um uh, the obviously the kai uh, we talked about kai he, they talked about kai it was almost instant when he came over though because he was you know uh talking uh, relating to the younger players not just alfonso but some of the other younger players um, including a couple of draft picks that actually didn't make it to the team, but he was he was always interacting with the fans, the supporters, and all that stuff. So I think he's been a real positive influence. Uh, as long as we don't sign Iguain next year, I think he's definitely going to have another <laughs> good year next year. I, I mean, I hope so. He he's been a great signing. So many people before the signing were like, "Oh, you don't want Kamara. He's a cancer in the locker room." Maybe he's just not found the right team. And now he's found the right team because he seems to be thriving here. He seems to be really happy. He seems to be a good influence on the people. And it's not that the teams, I mean, they've been through a bad patch. And that's often when in the past folk have kind of cited him as being disruptive. He's not been like that. He's been positive. And I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the video that he he kind of, it was filmed as they were coming off the pitch. Oh, yeah. I saw him that, and yeah. Kendall and the players. Basically, they've got this mentality that everything's against them, which, of course, Robo likes to instill in them. And it I think seems every, to be paying off. Every team should do that unless you're the top team. Everybody should be yeah. doing good for that. And there's, there's tons of teams in MLS that you you can legitimately say that the everybody's against them. Um, uh, it was a fantastic team effort. Usually we like to single out players. It's hard. It would be hard a little bit because they were all like almost like you know they all melded together in that second half, especially. Um, who's who's like one of your standouts or a couple of your standouts here? Light Ali Gazal. Yeah, a lot I mean, of people had came, that. Yeah, came on at half time against TFC, put in a great shift for that half. Two great halves now against Portland, so three halves of football. He's been one of the best Whitecaps on the pitch. A career high nine tackles from him, and for me right now. Gazal and Tiber, and a few other folks said this as well, the preview guys said this as well, they're the best DM tandem that we currently have. The problem is, when you're playing 4-4-2, you don't have the luxury of having a a two-man defensive midfield shield. They're playing more of a central midfield role. They're not really DMs. So I don't think if we keep 4-4-2 that we can play Tiber and Gazal and fit in the other 
offensive pieces that we need to fit in to be creative. Yeah. Or if we go with Tybert and Gazal, we just don't have the creativity. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think they have to. I think they just have to rotate between one and the other. They, the Robles got to re- figure out which one's the better option. Like I think if we, if you need a guy like uh, to kind of get under somebody's skin, uh, like a Valeri, for example, normally I would go with Tybert. Obviously, I think Gazal did a really wicked job on Valeri. He's only his only, you know, the goal he scored. Obviously, it was dangerous, but he really wasn't as dangerous as you expect. Uh, from a player like that, and he scored only from the penalty spot. Uh, um, so obviously he did a, a, a decent job on him. Um, another player I thought I thought uh, maybe had a misstep here and there, but Aaron Mond. Um, people don't talk about him. You talk about him a lot because you 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 want him to get on the pitch instead of Ali Gazal, especially at center back. But I thought he had yeah. a, he did really well, and 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 he partnered really well with Kendall Waston at the back there. I I think Mond and Boston have a really good partnership. And I, I I mean, we've talked about it before. I don't know why you put Gazal in ahead of him when you've got a guy that's a highly rated MLS centre-back. It, it's just been puzzling. And to come into the team cold as well and to put in the performances that he's put in, I mean, that's excellent and it's great for him. And I mean, we'll we'll come later in this part. We'll talk about the the new centre back signing that the Whitecaps seem to have made. It kind of maybe looks like Aaron Mon's days here would be numbered. But Jose Aha's injured. You've got Daniel Henry that's now injured, and yeah. I, I guess like let's talk about that. Henry broke his wrist, which it appears to be. There's not been any official confirmation, but by by what um, Jahal tweeted out. From, from training on Friday, he apparently punched a wall after his own goal in TFC and broke his wrist. Yeah, frustration, Which, obviously. Like, I, like the, there's passion there. Um, and obviously, it was in the heat of the moment that, you know, he was very upset. You could tell on the pitch he was so upset when that happened. And yeah, after uh, the game, they're trying to lift him up and everything. because He, he looked devastated. Yeah. Well, I, you, it is kind of a stupid thing to do, but you don't, when you're doing something like that, you're not expecting your wrist to fracture. Um, no. I think a lot of people, I've probably punched walls or something in, in the past as well. It's just something you do out of frustration. Well, I could tell you one. It's, I could tell you one right now that it's still in. It, I can see the indent of the wall still. Um, it was uh, the f- first. What, what year was the Eric Astley Wonder Gold? That was the first year, right? If I'm not mistaken, yes. yeah. So it, it was I right so. when when Alonso scores to put him up. I actually punched the wall after that. And then seconds <laughs> later, Hassey scored. So um, uh, I didn't break my wrist, luckily. But uh, yeah, it, it can happen in frustration, even if you're not a player. It's like if you're you, punching a wall is a normal thing, I think. But you can't do it yeah. when you're a professional player and there's no. a chance you're going to break your wrist. I mean, it's ridiculous. And if he misses game time, I think he would have been rested anyway against yeah. Portland. I'm, I'm pretty sure he wasn't going to play. So that gives him a couple of extra days to get ready. But that looks like a massive cast that he's got. So, I mean, Robbo said he's in contention. Well, I, thought, maybe, I don't know. Do you, do you risk him? Maybe it's a good thing. Maybe he, there's, he'll know not to put his hands up and do like a, a handball yeah. in the box or anything like that with a wrist on. Um, I remember... What, what, uh, what about... What, what, didn't Kobayashi play with a cast on his hand for a while there? He, he did, yeah. So maybe it can, I, it can be done by them. Maybe they can figure something out. Maybe. I mean, the, the danger is, especially when you're a defender, that you're tussling in the box and you swing your arm 
then all of a sudden that makes contact with somebody and it's a lot more dangerous than a hand just suddenly hitting someone. Yeah, I think it's... grazing across someone's face. I think it's more of a... For him, it's going to be more of a pain threshold. If he can take the pain, uh, if somebody hits it or something like that, then I think he'll be fine. But it's all depending on that. Let's... Let's get to the. Uh, you talk, I was talking to Henry and the and, and the back line, the fullbacks against Portland. Um, they were the, the starters. They were having a tough time. I thought Franklin Levi's was a little bit better, but Franklin on that side was just just really. It was uh, it, it was a tough like to see him them constantly going after him. They made the substitutions. Obviously, Levi's was hurt. Um, he got fa- uh, fallen on by, I think, it w- uh, Powell, I think it was, uh, um, if I'm not mistaken. And then um, uh, Franklin, I guess that was a substitute. They took it to Chera. That was a vital sub, like I said, in the p- first part. The clearances he did at that far post was fantastic. What did you think of the substitutions when it, came- when it happened and obviously uh, at the end of the game? I mean, I, I think... It worked out great. You don't really normally expect teams to be making a, a couple of defensive substitutions, but in a situation like that, it was needs must. Narinsky, as, as we talked about, was great. De Jong steadied things as well. I, I did think Brett Levi's had a really good game. He had some great numbers out of it, which I don't have to hand right now, but he he put in a really strong showing. And I, I was saying to Nathan Vanstone, because I was sitting beside him during the first half, this is the kind of game that he needed to maybe get a bit of confidence back. Yeah. Well, but the, what... on the right side, Franklin, like they were going up that right, the right side of the caps. They knew that that was the, the weak link. And you had Shea playing out on the right side as well, which I thought was a little bit odd. Yeah, when I say Levi had a tough time, it's not that he, like, it was definitely uh, they were going after Franklin more, but there were moments where Levi uh, wasn't sure and, I think it was got a little lucky, but I agree with you that he definitely put in a better performance than his previous games, and it looks like a little of a bit of an upswing for him. The whole defensive effort, obviously, it's it's it was completely excellent. You know, even the the uh, the wingers came back, the fullbacks came back. Uh, Kai Kamara was in the box, clearing balls out. It's it's something that you we needed to see because. We talk. They always talk about individual mistakes, but if you're playing well defensively as a team, you don't need to worry as of those individual mistakes. Yeah, and this was exactly the kind of performance we've been needing for weeks. the The defensive play of the midfield has been atrocious, and that's been the one of the fundamental reasons for the amount of goals that the team has given up. But to a man, this was a team that put in a strong defensive shift. They had to. But everyone scrambling the ball away, throwing their bodies on the line. This is exactly what we haven't seen this year. And if they can keep doing this when the going gets tough, then they they are in with a chance. And you don't want to get carried away after one win, just like you don't want to get carried away after one loss. But the signs are there that they can produce these games. It's just whether they can do it on a consistent enough basis, because that will take a hell of a lot out of any player. Yeah, and obviously the back line, we we praised them quite a bit, um, but there was a last line of defense, and that was Stefan Marinovic, and he came up big a number of times. For me, he was the man of the match. Um, I know a lot of people gave it to Gazal, but Marinovic, the Valeri save, a couple of saves where he was just like, uh, like had to rush out to meet the keeper, I mean the, the attacker, um, 
the way he was able to control the box because although they cleared the ball, there was a number of times where he had to grab the ball out of the air and everything like that. And then he had to deal, I think, the last five or six minutes plus injury time with his own injury. Um, or, or he was hobbled a little bit. I don't know. Maybe it was time wasting as well. Uh, what did you I think? I still think that was time wasting. Was it? Okay. So what did you think he, about his performance? totally fine after the match. What did you think of his performance and um, what he did? It's just, it's again, we talked about it before. Brian Rowe came in, put a yeoman's effort in there, but Marinovic is that dynamic keeper that can make that big save that you need. Yeah. I mean, for me, he's probably man of the match as well. He had a couple of vital stops. He came up big when he needed to. And, I mean, when you're a keeper like that, you've got to be alert the whole game. When you've got so much pressure coming in at you, wave after wave of attack, you just have to be mentally strong. You cannot switch off for a second. And he didn't in this one. But my only criticism that I've maybe got of Marinovic, and we saw it in the first half, there's a number of times when he makes a save... And he parries the ball right into the danger zone in front of goal. Now, a lot of the time, there's a white cap there that can kick the ball away. But that's a dangerous thing to do. And he has to get out of that. He has to try and push the ball further away and not just push it right out into the middle of the box. But he wasn't punished this one. That's going to give him confidence. If you think back to the last time the white caps were down there, regular season... They just had to to win, maybe even just get a point. I can't remember what it was now, to, to clinch first in the West. And then Marinovic lets in a bit of a howler. More than made up for it in this one. And that's going to give him a big confidence boost. Not that he needs it. He's a, he's a confident guy. Yeah, and you had a chance to talk to him um, after the game. Um, so let's play that audio right now. Uh, Michael talking to Stefan Marinovic and getting his thoughts on the match. There's been a lot of goals maybe given up from bad defending this year, but today every one to a man seemed to do their job defensively, even though you're under the cosh. Is that one of the best defensive efforts you've seen all season from the team? I'd have to say, uh, yeah, I came into the change room at half-time and I, um, um, I said quite loud and I congratulated the boys on their, um, on their um, I hate the word effort because it sounds so, you know, but like their effort and their defending, everyone put their body on the line. Um, there was no lunging in, well, apart from Kendall's pen, but <laughs> um, it was uh, all in all um, uh, a great defensive effort from the boys. Very composed. Looked like we, you know, we enjoyed the, the defending part of the game, uh, which I haven't seen in a, in a very long time. When you're under that pressure and you see a sign go up saying seven minutes of stoppage time, what goes through your head? I just thought. <laughs> come on, Ref. <laughs> come, on. <laughs> come on, bud. Like you've 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 you've, you've, you've given them a penalty that isn't a penalty, and then you give a, give them seven minutes. So I was like, oh, he must have, he must have heard my interview at the middle of the week where I said every, we're, we're, when everything goes against us, we play really well. So he decided to put a pen that wasn't a pen and seven extra minutes on there. So um, yeah, it ended up uh, working out well for us. We would have been uh, extremely peeved off, peeved um, if. Uh, if we'd conceded but um, we looked stable I didn't feel like we were going to concede You've been with the club for a year now where does this win, win rank? Uh, after I guess you could say that little bit of heartbreak last year when we uh, played the last game here of the season and uh, we didn't clinch that uh, top spot um, feels good to uh, get a little bit of a, a little bit of revenge in the Cascadia Cup for that yeah so it feels good 
a little bit of afters at the end there. Was Sorry? Just, a little bit of afters at the end, someone just trying to get in your face a bit. Uh, yeah, he was just trying to tell me that, uh, you know, I was, wasn't respecting the fans or something like that and try, try to push and shove me, so... Uh, I'm not going to be pushed around by someone who's five foot six, so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand my ground. Oh, what was it like? Can you expand on that a little bit? Was it was it a supporter that was pushing with Stefan Marinovic or no, no, no? It was uh, it was one of the Timbers players because oh, okay. I, I was like every Timbers match down there. I always watch at the final whistle, yeah, because there's always a little bit of afters. There's always a little bit of pushing and shoving. So it seemed to go off like nothing was happening. And then all of a sudden, I just saw Marinovic tussling. I didn't see who the who the timber was. But folk were like getting in between them. And then Stuart Kerr pulled Stefan away. So I thought, oh, something's going on there. So basically, the, the Portland player was accusing Stefan of disrespecting the Timbers fans. I'm guessing he probably gestured towards them at the final whistle. Oh, okay, gotcha. Well, we could... We just look at the sizes, five foot six, and we'll figure out which timber player it was. Yeah, because <laughs> um, that's something else. I don't know if it was on the broadcast or not either. Like at the the end of the game, um, after everything, all the white caps players came over to where the fans are in the corner, and Felipe picked up the corner flag and he's like waving it about uh, that, and dancing around with the corner flag. I, I didn't see that on the broadcast, but it was on Kai Kamara's uh, uh, video that he p- played at the end. I mean, oh. on, on online. That he was showing Felipe <laughs> wave the flag, yeah. Timbers fans behind the goal were shouting at the Whitecaps players. Yeah. And Alex Zal just blew one of them a kiss, so it was hilarious. <laughs> well, uh, let's let's look at other news, obviously, in the Whitecaps world. Um, no additional transfers in the window. Um, they did sign the El, El Salvadorian center back, Roberto Dominguez. But they haven't announced it yet, so I, I don't know if he was a free agent. They can wait for a bit before they announce it. Uh, maybe they announced it this week. Uh, what what what's your thoughts on that? Obviously, that was uh, somewhere where we didn't expect it, but with injuries now, maybe it might be an ideal signing. Well, he he certainly seems to be a, a prospect. They're quite high in him. He he has signed. They're just finalizing all the paperwork, dotting the eyes, crossing the t's. It was a bizarre moment this week where part of his contract was leaked on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that because yeah. someone was complaining about. The fight caps wanting to know if there was due any solidarity payments to teams, which is a, a fair enough question to ask, just so they know exactly what they're getting into. But to, to leak a contract, I've never seen anything like that. Hasn't derailed the deal. Yeah. He is signing. He's already, he's just young guy, 21, and he's already made a number of appearances for El Salvador. The so. national team, right? I saw that. that yeah, really senior. Like- so, I mean, it looks a like good, good signing, but. I mean, you don't know with these guys playing in these leagues until you see them at the higher level. Yeah, Anthony th- Blondell is a good example of lighting it up in the Venezuelan league right now, not lighting it up in MLS. But centre-backs are a different breeds altogether. And let's hope he's he's a positive signing and he, it's not going to be like another Diego Rodriguez or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it could be like a similar thing where they will sign him for the rest of the year. They see how he is. He might not see any action, might see some action and then... They have the option for 2019 to bring him back again. Um, and then a couple of uh, players moving on, one uh, permanently, one temporarily. Meyer Bevan is going on loan to um, uh, Fresno, yes. And then uh, Ibini, they mutually uh, terminated the contract. I, for me, it seems like 
and this was kind of really under the radar. It happened on Wednesday. Um, it seemed like uh, Abini. Maybe they told him that he wasn't coming back next year, and then he had an offer from uh, I think it's Emirates FC and United UAE. Um, and maybe they decided to part ways at that point. Is that sound right to you? Do you think that's probably what happened, or just speculating? Yeah, I mean, I, I think they probably told him, "See if you can find yourself another club." Yeah. And as soon as you do, we'll let you go. Yeah. It's a big salary dump off the books for the Caps, three hundred grand, and freeing up an international spot as well. So, big, big move to get rid of him, and the right decision. He's been a bust. I, I genuinely have no idea why they thought this was a good move to even bring him in in the first place because yeah. he just has never fitted in. Meyer Bevan, I, I'm high on Meyer Bevan. I think he's really got a future with the club, but he has to play. Yeah. He needs to get minutes. He's back from his loan deal over in Scandinavia. Hopefully he gets regular minutes in Fresno because he's a guy that scored, played and scored at the senior level for New Zealand. So he's a, he's a striker. We need strikers, so good, good luck to Meyer down there. Now, obviously, no no players coming in. Um, now, I don't want to. We don't want to speculate. And this, but there was this was brought up on Twitter by a couple of people. Um, kind of, it was they didn't. I don't think they published it, but they kind of messaged us like privately. Um, with the fact that there's no activity, um, does it kind of up like uplift some rumor? Not uplift, but make some rumors that. Uh, Robbo could be on his way out. They don't want him spending the money, uh, Davies' money, even though they haven't got it yet. But they could still pre-spend it, and then, uh, like you know, actually once they get it, they could put it back in somewhere else in the team, right? Do you think that kind of stokes some rumors, or do you think it's it it, it it's really nothing to because Robbo said that they're probably not going to bring anybody in. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's easy to stoke rumors and it's easy to start rumors and. It's easy to read into things, but it does smack that the club are maybe not sure will they keep going with Carl Robinson next year. And if they're not, you don't want Robbo just now spending that money. You want whatever new guy is going to come in to have his own players, to spend the Davies money, to build his own team. So, I mean, it's hard not to read into that. There's been some rumours doing the rounds that his assistants have not had their contracts renewed yet for next season. So, I mean, reading into all that, conspiracy theory hat on, it might be that it's a case of, we want to wait and see if you win a Canadian championship. If you get into the playoffs, we're happy to have you here next year. If you don't, maybe time to move on and we want the new guy to, to build his own team. Yeah, it, it's something that normally would happen, but I don't think it's. Uh, I, and I think maybe maybe this is spurred on the team. Maybe this is something that the players have heard of, and this is kind of spurring them on because they maybe obviously they like Robbo and they want him to stay. So, because and because if a new coach comes in, they don't know where they're standing, and so uh, this could all work in in part with each other. Um, do you have any other final uh, Whitecaps thoughts this week? Maybe going into the TFC game and. Uh, how you see that going? It's it's a it's a big week, and I, I mean TFC is the focus. But next Saturday's game, we talked about this in the show last week. Next Saturday's game against the Red Bulls is massive. It's at home. You're playing a really good team. 
you need to win that match to keep in the playoff hunt, which they've done very well and other results this week have kind of helped them. You've got to win that. So TFC's massive. You need to, you want to win a trophy. I want this team back in the Champions League. I love the Champions League and, and what it can be and what it can mean to the Whitecaps. These two games coming up, pivotal for the season, I, I feel. Yeah, and uh, they, if they want to get to that Champions League, they need to win that game against TFC or score three goals, essentially, and get a 3-3 draw because anything – well, 2-2 draw, they'll go to penalties. So yeah. it'll be. I, I, I don't think I can take penalties after what happened in Portland. <laughs> oh, for sure. That that would be like a, even from how, however far we'll be from that game. It's still no matter you know TV brings everything closer together. It it raises the stress just as much. Um, but that game itself, uh, we're going to preview it next. But it won't be me and Michael. We brought in Joe and Nick to preview the game, uh, the upcoming game. Um, find out what their thoughts are. So this is a pre-recorded one from this earlier this afternoon. So after the break, come back, listen to Joe and Nick and their preview of the TFC game. Hi, I'm Jake Nowinski, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Hello, Sunday night people, or people who listen to podcasts before Wednesday. I'm joined by uh, Nick here. We're going to preview the uh, TFC Cup Final. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, how are you going to celebrate when the Whitecaps win the Canadian Championship? Um, I like the the optimism. I'm I have a bomber brewing beer in my fridge. Okay. So if they win, then I will uh, celebrate by drinking that. Crack open a boy crack, with the cold ones. Crack open, and if they lose, <laughs> then I will crack it open and just cry into yeah. it. Yeah. Either way, so, <laughs> you're you're having that beer either way. Either way, um, I'm gonna get the hoverboard out. I think. That is a classic yeah. Whitecaps celebration. Well, Pamudka isn't with the team anymore. Someone has to take over uh, hoverboard duty. duties, right? Yeah. And I'm a willing sacrifice. Like I'll sacrifice myself. So, it's a cause. Hoverboard? It's a cause I can get behind. Um, <laughs> we are recording on Sunday afternoon. Not a very orthodox time for us to do our preview podcast. It feels weird. It feels weird. Usually it's a Tuesday or Wednesday night. Yeah. And we, we're kind of. The sun is out still. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> Usually it's a hump day, right? Like Tuesday yeah. or Wednesday. We're just trying to get through the week, but. Um, yeah, you know that, and TFC haven't played their game either. They're halfway through their game. Although there's been some interesting developments while we were getting ready for yeah. the show. As of right now, they are losing one nil to uh, to NYC. NYCFC, and Altidore just got a red card. That was a really stupid red card. Yeah, we just saw. That was like a highlight. white caps worthy. Yes, style. We'll red get to card. that later. You have some very good stats on that, but that's a. Like it's going well as as well as it could go for the Whitecaps in this situation, mm-hmm. right? Um, a, an NYCFC winning at Toronto, and, you know, their striker getting sent off. Although we're not sure if the red card will carry over, Nick, because you were saying on how those that works. Yeah, so the the, the red card that we were talking about for um, Juarez, Juarez yeah. was deemed serious enough that this, the Canadian Soccer Association didn't let him play. Okay. But Felipe's, Felipe's red. red card was not... Deemed serious enough, I guess, by the MLS. It's which is why he played. Which is why he was able to play. Yeah. Against Portland. So, based on what we saw on that highlight of Altidore kicking the NYCFC player, is that a serious enough play? I, I mean, it's a difference between he kicked out against an opponent. If but the kicked, ball, the ball was nowhere near. Yeah. Like it, it was completely off the ball. I could definitely see there being an argument made mm. for that, but at the same time, I don't think. I think the reason why. The Juarez one happened was because it was against a, a high-profile team. High-profile team. But 
And I don't yeah. think the CSA wants to take away one of the star powers. That's true. The marketability. The marketability of the cup goes down if Altidore isn't there. So yeah. why would you? Yeah, that's true. Why would you do that? Although if he does get suspended, they would have to play Ricketts up front. Yeah, and Ricketts wasn't that bad, and, and it's true. he was yeah. making runs. And I mean, they mostly were able to deal with him. With Altador. Um, Altador, too. Yeah. I mean, except for that last play. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That uh, let's not revisit the... Uh, yeah, we already little... visited that. Yeah. Oh, Javinko scored. Okay, it's one more. Ah. We should just watch the game and talk <laughs> through it. But we only have uh, a few, like, we've been giving a time slot to go through... So, yeah, Javinko, who just scored, is probably going to play this game. He didn't play last match um, away in Vancouver, probably just to save him from the travel, things like that. You have to think that the way this uh, tie is poised, that both teams just put out their best teams and go for it, right? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, TFC isn't having a good year. Yeah. Whitecaps aren't having a good year. Mm -hmm. And this is a game that allows each of them to get win, something, win something. Win something. Yeah. You know, something is actually on the line. Obviously, the Voyager's Cup and uh, CONCACAF Championships yeah. as well. Cascadia Cup, um, uh, I guess, chances for the Whitecaps went up significantly. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're all tied. Yeah, all and tied it's only separated points. by uh, goal difference yeah. right now. And Whitecaps have two home games to finish that out. Yeah. Not that that means anything against Cascadia teams, but better than... Going, going to going Seattle away. or yeah. Portland again, right? Um, yeah, like Toronto, it's hard to assess their season. Like you know when you know when Leicester won the title, right? Mm -hmm. And then the next season they didn't do they it. Kind of, yeah, and the fans weren't that miffed really because they they won the title the league before the year yeah. before, right? TFC have finally won the MLS Cup. And they did a, a triple. The, oh, the the um oh the Canadian Championship, the Supporter Shield, Shield, and the MLS it's Cup. Tough. It's yeah. true. So like after a high like that. Um, are, do you think the fans are kind of annoyed that the team aren't doing well? Like, making the playoffs is obviously the minimum requirement, but there are three places outside of the playoffs right now. I mean, if I was a TFC person, I would be... First of all, we wouldn't be friends, but yeah. anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, in theory, in an alternate reality <laughs> yeah. where Nick is born in Toronto... <laughs> Not Langley. Not Langley. <laughs> what, what would happen? I guess, like, I would be angry. I mean, you have basically, arguably, that team was one of the best MLS teams of all time. Mm -hmm. Or at least would be in the discussion. And most of that team has remained intact. And most of that team is still here. And in fact, if anything, they made... They've added players. They've added yeah. players. Yeah. And then I think the the only thing that would stop me from being super angry is they had tons of injuries. Yeah, at, like, to start the season. Bradley the was playing in centre-back at the start of the And when you have your midfielders playing in centre-back... Like the Whitecaps do, you know that. that is but the Whitecaps do it voluntarily. They put Gazal in there when. They but it always looks back. like he's. It's ironic because it always looks like he's gonna score an own goal. Yeah. When when he's back there, but then you know our actual center back. It's true. Scores yeah. An own goal. And then he punches a wall and puts himself in a cast. He will not. At least he won't handball. It's true. If he yeah. plays, he yeah. won't handball because his hand is in a yeah. cast. Was it the TFC game? Am I confusing games that there was that handball in the first half? It was the TFC game, right? Um, the penalty, the first Whitecaps yeah, goal. The was... first Whitecaps goal was Ricketts. Oh yeah. Put his yeah, hand yeah. up. Yeah. In Did, the so corner. Henry won't be doing that because. So hopefully Henry won't be taking defensive or, lessons or from it'll, Ricketts. Or it'll bounce off his cast and just go into the goal even faster. If that that would be legendary. It would. If we so, had man. some sort of hand of God goal to take it. To to win it, you mean? Yeah. Okay, how would you yeah. feel about that? Uh. There's no VAR, so bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, like, 
TFC are going to play their best lineup. Mm-hmm. You imagine, well, if if Altador can play, that change yeah. that's actually a big factor. Yeah. Like in the game, I think in the it'll coming change days. How, I mean, Altador, I would if I was TFC, I would way prefer Altador over Ricketts. Because Altador will occupy our center back. Yeah. And if we're going to play super deep, which I expect them to do, yeah, yeah. he can help. He's pretty creative. I don't yeah. I don't think people give him... You mean Altador? Altador, yeah. yeah. Around the corner, passes and touches and one-twos. Yeah. He's very good for that, especially with Javinko. Yeah. Like, Javinko needs a player to bounce off of, right? And yeah. Like, Altador is exactly that. Whereas Ricketts is more direct and running. Yeah. I, Ricketts always seems like he's more comfortable when the ball goes wide and he and can then come he back can in. And he can come back in. Um, yeah. He does finish too, I guess. He gets at yeah. the end of, of crosses. Okay, um, Whitecaps. Mm-hmm. So we we've been talking the last few weeks how there's these three big games starting yeah. with the first leg of the final this Portland game which which was went really well but I'm sure the listeners have already heard all about that from the guys on the show and now this game right it's kind of the end of this um, very important stretch but there's more important games coming right this isn't the end of that yeah I mean it's not the end of important stretches especially if you want to make the playoffs yeah that's the end goal I guess. Uh, the expectations will change based on how this this yeah. game goes as well. Let's talk a bit about lineups. Marinovic, I think, is in some fine form, and we can't. Really oh yeah, win. fantastic! He yeah. stole that game. Mm. He, he had some very job. nice saves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, center back, we go with Waston, and if Henry's fit, I would still put him back in there. But although there will be kind of a mental torment for him based on that last. It is a mental torment, but then if you're angry enough to punch a wall. Maybe you're very motivated. Well, you'd be angry enough to punch someone in the face as well and get a red card. Or it could tie back into our theory about how the Whitecaps want to play with the man down. I mean, this team very clearly plays with, like, an edge. Oh, well, I know. think they're over the edge. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a matter of time sometimes. They're basically Wiley Coyote over yeah. the... <laughs> yeah. Waiting to drop. And uh, Gantar is the anvil that falls. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Yeah, centre-back, uh, that's the match-up that I would go with. Although Mond would be okay. Mond played really well. In, yeah. In, in, I mean, he's never been bad, but he's never, I guess, been as better, mm. like, a clear and above cut choice no i think henry's had a couple of standout games mm-hmm. that have made him uh the first or i guess the, the choice to partner yeah to waston i think norwinsky should start on right well right i mean back. franklin and levis uh yeah they played yeah so i think you just rotate yeah, your outside I agree. backs yeah and norwinsky looked really good when he came on yeah norwinsky um and de Jong played really well in that game yeah i think the first game yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that that back four is is the way to go. Uh, they played a four two three one, which switched to a four five one in the Portland game. Mm-hmm. Do you think we go back to the four four two, bearing in mind that we need to probably win this game outright? I think four four two. It depends on how we're gonna set up. I think if you have two more defensively minded central midfielders, mm-hmm. then I think it would be fine. Who would you want as those uh, central or defensive minded? Midfielders. I mean, I would prefer to have um, Tybert in there for yeah. sure because he's and I would like to have Gazelle, but he played the full full ninety full yeah. ninety. So I don't know if he has. Yeah, Tybert and but I want Gazelle. Mm-hmm. Um, I would prefer Gazelle because it's more. It was it was way more balanced. It's yeah. way more balanced. And Gazelle gives a lot of strength to that midfield. You know, because mm-hmm. um, there will be physical battles if if you're in there with like. Um, Bradley and like 
if Javinko gets on the ball, you need someone really strong there. And I yeah. seem to recall this might be something just weird in my head, but Gazal had a, had would tackled Javinko really well um, in previous games, not not necessarily the last last game, mm-hmm. but like previous times they played. That might be something that's not true at all, but that's kind of the Your fantasy I have in my head of, of Gazal doing. Um, so if it is a four four two. We, we both would hope for Gazelle and Tybert if they're both good to go, correct? Yeah. They chartered a flight back from from uh, Portland. Um, That's I, good. Is it, I think it's you're allowed a few chartered flights a year or something like yeah. that. So they have a day off on, I think, today, and they fly out to Toronto on Monday. Mm. So they'll, like, that's that's a good idea, I think. Um, yeah, I know. And, and it shows that there's a, the strategy is to take this competition, yeah. this cup, seriously. Absolutely. Um, I think from the first game's lineup, we could see that. Yeah. Like, they really want to go for this. Okay, um, if Davies is fit, I don't think there's any argument. No, I mean, Brecce has... He been, played well, but played well. his assist was from the right. Yeah. So you could play Brecce on the right. Maybe. But Tichera, like, is a good option there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you had to pick one? Um, I think I would go with Tichera. Yeah? I would go with Shea, just because it's an away game. I think I think he... Maybe go with Shea... Only because he's been on a good run of form, yeah. and then hope that form doesn't abandon you this yeah. match. If if uh, if Shea does play instead of Tichera, who would take the set pieces? Reina, I guess. Um, that's a good question. Yeah, I think Reina. Maybe Tichera plays for that reason then. Just for the set pieces. Well, yeah. you need like a, one you or two someone, options, right? Yeah, um, exactly. A left foot and right foot, ideally, but yeah. And um, I mean, listen, Tichera's scored some fantastic free kicks too. Mm-hmm. And yesterday was his one hundredth appearance for the Whitecaps, or start one or the other. Um, on the left, Davies. Hopefully, if yeah. not, we might have to have Brecksey in there. But yeah. he played well, so it's not. So I, I mean, he's not the quality yeah. that Davies which, is. Which Brecksey will show up? Wait, that's a good question. Let's go back to that previous point. Okay. Brecksey is not the quality of Alfonso Davies. Yeah, I know. Amazing. <laughs> oh, interesting. <laughs> what, what analysis? <laughs> Hashtag analysis. Um, I I think white like in the four four two the wide positions are, you know, where ninety percent of the creativity. Attack. Yeah. Um, and how those wingers link up with Reina is pretty much decides how the tempo of the attack. Correct. And I'm I mean it. Yeah, it does decide the tempo of the attack, and it can't. But it also kind of goes back to. Well, how is TFC going to set up? Yeah. Because if TFC wanted, they could just be like, come and try and get it. Yeah. You know, and and look for space behind the Whitecaps. Mm. Especially if they were going to have to play with Ricketts. But if I'm TFC, I am... Trying to just win it outright. Well, I would prepare, like, if just to go very narrowly into, like, the details of their game plan. I would prepare for... Uh, the main threat from Vancouver, which is Alfonso Davies, mm-hmm. um, assuming he plays, mm-hmm. right? we might hear some news between now and t- tonight's show, or you know, early in the week that he's unavailable. Yeah. Um, like he roasted TFC. Yeah. Right. That's he true. he should have had a goal. He should have had a goal or um, an assist or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I'm preparing for that, right? Mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I don't think they push very high because they don't want to give Davies that space, space. to go forward. And, like, you know, Bradley didn't have a great game last week. No. Um, he acts as a very good screen to that back four. I think he, he kind of annuls the Reina threat, based, depending on their performances, right? Um, up front, I think it's Kai Kamara. I think so, too. Yeah. I mean, he had a, that was a fantastic goal against Portland, mm-hmm. and he did a lot of 
you know, and he also scored a fantastic penalty in the last game. So he's clearly on on form, on yeah. pace. And Reyna probably and that false nine or whatever shadow second striker. second striker yeah. forward. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good call. Do you think the Caps will do it? Do I think they'll do it? Right now, I think it's a coin toss. Yeah. Um. Because so they need two goals. Because they to need two goals the to away cancel. Goals. Well, they either need to right. They either need if they win if they get one goal and they shut them out, which yeah. is highly unlikely. Yeah. Then they're in the clear. But again, the way our yeah. defense has been is so. It's bad. hard to call with the both sides, right? Because you don't know which TFC are going to show. Should we have a TFC score check just to see uh, every time we've yeah. recorded? Sure. Let's take a look. Uh, 2-1 NYC. 2-1 NYCFC. There yeah. you go. It could have turned around by the time it's over. But, uh, yeah, they're playing with 10 men, too, I guess. So yeah. It's not great. We, but I hope it's a nice morale, you know, morale-shattering... Loss? Yeah. Because, like, the White House morale can't be... I guess it's better after the it's Portland game. It's better after that Portland game. They really needed that they, Portland game. I don't think really anybody expected them I to go into no, Portland. Not at all. And get a result like that. No. They played with we were downbeat when we did the preview show. Oh yeah, we were we were basically like, well, this game is probably a, a scratch. We I think we called it a throwaway game at multiple yeah. points. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And I mean, there was a lot of rotation, so it was in a sense uh, a throwaway game. Yeah, but th- this but game then, is all all out. Like you have to go for it. Yeah. Like this is this could be the defining game of the season if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it could also give them a boost to help them make the playoffs. Right? It's yeah, very possible. Very, very, very possible. I mean, there's only like, what was it? I think I saw somewhere MLS playoff chances. They only have like 13% chance yeah. to make the playoffs. Oh, you, you, had, uh, you had that very interesting stat about um, fouls and red cards for the Whitecaps. Yeah, so I'm that? just, yeah. So they have in MLS play six red cards. Um, but in terms of fouls committed, they've only committed... 276 fouls so they're only they're around middle of the pack yeah but so, so what that tells me and tell me if this is what you agree with mm-hmm. let me know um it means that they're not committing lots of fouls but they're committing bad fouls or losing discipline in tackles and things like that well i think they're losing discipline in tackles and they're losing discipline i guess at key moments where you shouldn't <laughs> be losing discipline at referees like especially at referees i mean that's just and i mean the way the the way that that things have been going, I mean, I guess you could argue is the the bad mentality going to keep going, or are they going to swing it around and yeah, so finally be on for an important game here? Yeah, if we could go a month without a red card, that would be lovely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would agree. But I think August has already been tarnished by Felipe's red card. Yeah, so that's that. Well, anyway, that's our little preview. Um, we'll be. We'll, we may or may not have a show midweek to preview next weekend's game, and by then we'll know if the Canadian Championship, who the Canadian Championship it's winner is. It's, <laughs> it should be coming only for only the second time. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like a it's like a foster care of Vancouver yeah. for the Canadian Championship. All right, well, there's going to be a little bit of a break on the show, and after this, Steve and Zach will bring uh, all the other action um, from the MLS uh, mm-hmm. this week. Like we're 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 a time capsule right now because we don't know the final score so of the this, T- yeah, so who knows TFC might have like won five two or something and we got all optimistic for no reason but yeah tune in after the break for Steve and Zach and uh, they will continue all the MLS chat after this. Uh, actually, thanks, Joe. Uh, we won't be going to break uh, because Michael wanted to talk about TFC a little bit. 
but thanks to Joe and Nick for doing that. Um, it gave us a little break, uh, especially with Zach not here. He will be joining us hopefully for the next part. Uh, but Michael, you wanted to give your thoughts about TFC and what you're expecting to see Nick uh, in the upcoming game. Yeah, and we'll play a little bit of audio as well from a couple of the players in Robo after the Portland game as well. But before we get to that, I mean, we've never really talked ourselves uh, about that first leg. It, it's still incredible the the way that played out. It's like it looked so much that they were going to be heading to Toronto with a one-goal lead. The second half showing with the 10 men was one of the best performances, I think, of the of the whole season so far. I agree with you there. Um, the it, it sh- like, Again, it showed a lot of heart, <laughs> dedication. Uh, well, I'm going to repeat what Robbo says. Um, but, yeah, it was a fantastic showing because when they went down at half, I didn't expect anything. I was thinking, okay, if they can just hold on. Well, oh, they held on for a tie eventually. But the fact that they went ahead um, and, and took the lead and looked like they were heading, of course – the curse of the Voyager's Cup uh, strikes him again, uh, always in a different way, it seems like. Um, and and there were people that uh, don't follow this this competition that were asking me, does this always happen to the Whitecaps? Because it seems like it's always happening. I said, yes, it's happening for a very long time. Yeah, it's... But whenever we get right into writing the book and the Whitecaps fortunes in this competition, it's going to be so far-fetched that in years to come, no one's going to believe that it's not actually a work of fiction. It's a science I mean, fiction. They, yeah. I mean, they, they did well. I, I'm confident going into the second leg that the Whitecaps can at least score. It's whether they can do enough. I, I agree with what the guys said, said in the, the preview there. I don't think we're going to keep TFC off the score sheet. So then it comes down, do we win 2-1? Do we get a 2 all draw and take it to extra time? Or scoring three at BMO Field when your team is knackered is maybe going to be a bit far-fetched as well. But Saturday's win in Portland will definitely give them a, a little bit of momentum. And I asked Robbo and Kai Kamara and Stefan Marinovic just for some thought heading into Wednesday. So I, I think we've got that ready to play just now. Yeah, we do. So here, yeah, here's the audio from uh, yesterday and uh, them talking about the Voyager's Cup and what's coming up. The team kind of looked like they were playing on fumes a little bit towards Dead. the end. Yeah, yeah. With, with Wednesday coming up. Yeah, how, what, what's your plan going into that? You got a chance to, to rest some guys today, but yeah, looking forward to Wednesday. What's your game plan? Something got to go again. I say every week to you, the travel schedules are pain in the backside, uh, but it is what it is, you know, so you try and rotate and freshen as Mondi comes in today, Shawnee Franklin, exceptional, you know, the two midfield players were top notch, Rusty I left out the 18 because he's going to be involved on the weekend, Jordi didn't even play and Jordi and, and Fonzie struggling obviously today, uh, he's struggling for Wednesday as well, so the boys have put themselves in the shop window, but we'll, we'll go, listen, whether we can do it or not on Wednesday, we'll see, but it won't be for the lack of heart and effort. Heading into Wednesday's game now as well, I mean, the momentum that that must give the team and just looking forward to that, what are you expecting on Wednesday? Yeah, I hope so, I hope so, but that's a, it's another um, hostile environment going to to, to Toronto and, uh, you know, the game is it's kind of even, you know, that's how we look at it, but, you know, their fans are going to be behind them, they know, you know, they have the upper hand, you know, hosting the game on Wednesday, the cup final and all that, but hey, uh, we've done well on the road and we're looking forward to going over there and uh, hopefully bring back the trophy home. 
I goes without saying this gives you a big boost going into to Wednesday, but, but what are you expecting from Wednesday's match? Uh, I personally hope more of the same. Um, some of the players that play today won't play on Wednesday. They'll play on uh, sorry, the play today won't yeah won't play on Wednesday. Um, um, but uh, those you know, those players that have just had the, uh, today off will come back uh, refreshed. Um, hopefully, seen the seen the effort the boys all put in today. They're all eleven men, all the and the and the subs and a um, uh, couple onto that hopefully and uh, produce a similar type of uh, performance. Yeah, there were the thoughts of the team there. Um, obviously, uh, it, I know a lot of people are saying, oh, they're knackered and they're, they're going to have to travel. But you think of TFC having to play a full game today, down 10 men, and they had to put a lot of effort today. That might play into the benefit of the Whitecaps because uh, uh, we can update the game. Uh, they lost 3-2 today, um, really late in the game. So it was a demoralizing loss for them. And uh, like I said, Altidore, yeah, it might be a negative that he got so much rest because he only played 11 minutes, but it also might be everybody else had to put in more effort. So what do you, th- do you think that has, you know, a big part in the game? Yeah, that, I mean, that can work two ways because it could demoralize them. But at the same time, that that defeat might make them think, you know what, this Canadian Championship is really all that our season's got left. It seems like that because, at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they are still realistically in with it. If they win the two games in hand, they're very close to the red line. But you've also got New England at six points ahead of them with two games in hand, the same two games in hand. So even them winning their two games in hand, it's still difficult for them. So I think... It makes Wednesday all the bigger for them. They did have a pretty much full strength lineup out today. I think we can be pretty sure that the the White Caps will have a as full strength lineup out as they can. And as the guy said, it's a toss up whether Davies is going to make it or not. I've got to be honest, I don't think he will. Yeah, I just have a hunch he's not going to unless Robo's playing a great mind games and making it think that it's worse than it is. But I, I think the Caps will go and get a draw. I think it's going to be 1-1, and I think it's just going to be a little bit more heartbreak. I hope I'm wrong. I thought we were going to get beat 3-0 in Portland, so what do I know? Yeah, that's true. Um, well, we, that's what we all knew. We didn't. None of us thought it was. like As, you, as the preview guy said, too, that Joe and Nick, they, they, had, they thought it was going to be a throwaway game. So it definitely is uh, a toss-up at this point. I think they can do it. I think this is this, because they had such bad luck in the first leg. Maybe the, the, it'll reverse in the second leg, and maybe they can continue this like batter, batting down the hatches kind of technique and get away with it one more game. Because um, it, it seemed to work against Portland, even and, and then Toronto's had such a a tough year where they just haven't got any breaks. It depends on who gets the breaks in this point. Well. Uh- it doesn't look like Ganter's going to be the referee, so I guess that's a plus. Yeah, definitely. The, we won't have Robbo yelling at him during the game either. Um, but now it brings us to your favorite part of the show, Michael. Uh, wavelength. Yes, and this is going to be my final bit of the show tonight, and then we'll get Zach on for the next part. If he calls so, it. <laughs> yeah, if he calls And if not, you're on your own. I'm sure you can handle it. Um Yeah, so we're just going to round off this part with our Wavelength section. It is, of course, Football Violence Awareness Month here on AFTN. And we're continuing that with a a song from 2002 from a punk band from Watford in England called Argy Bargy. 
from their album Songs from the Streets. And this is Saturday's Glory. Hi guys, I'm Aaron Maughan. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. And we're now joined, he's escaped from Middle Cascadia, Zach Meisenheimer. 
How you doing, Zach? Uh, I'm doing okay, Steve. How are you, how you doing? Not too bad. I was a little shocked when I got the message from your wife that's saying that you might not make it. Uh, I thought I had to do a solo for parts four and five, but luckily you're you're back. Uh, you're safe. How's the car? Uh, we'll find out tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> um, I, just, uh, I, I just got. I had a flat tire. Oh, okay. Uh, that's not too bad. Um. Uh. What. Uh, you were obviously in Portland. We were, you were going to join us for the first part. But let's get your thoughts on the game itself. Like, give us like the uh, like quick uh, cold notes on what your thoughts on the Timbers game was. Yeah, I thought I thought the side really battled uh, and put in a great um, like a great a great away. It was a great away performance, um, and uh, I think there's so much to be proud proud of uh, in, in this match. Uh, the result, obviously, but just the the grit and determination. It felt like that's how you wanted them to finish on Wednesday, right? Um, you know, uh, obviously they were they were playing with eleven men, so it was a little bit different. But um, no, two two headed goals in the first half. Uh, Kai Kamara gets a little help from um, Jeff Antonella on his goal, but still, you know, he called for it, he placed it, it worked out well, and then Breck Shea had a moment, uh, a few more, more than one moment, but, you know, he looked like a DP, you know, crossing the ball with his right foot for Obicho to get his head on again, which was, you know, just really great. And then it was it was one of those nights where, like, when Valeri misses the first of, of their penalties, it just, you just felt like, okay, there's there's no way that this can get screwed up. And, um, yeah, that 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 final that final five minutes of that first half was opposite of almost every other five final five minutes <laughs> for the Whitecaps this year. Yeah, and the thing is, I I still say Breck Shea did not deliver a good cross. Well, he did, but but because for a normal sized guy, that would not ever hit their that head of because it was Tichera. He's five foot two or whatever. That was a good cross for him, I guess. I guess maybe it was. I'll give him credit for this. Yeah. No, it was it was a great, it was a great finish. Like it was, yeah. It'll beat you knew what he was doing, and yeah, it was there. And then in the yeah, like in the stadium, the, the atmosphere was. Um, well, let's put it this way: it was. Uh, I mean, the result helps, but it was a lot better than Seattle way earlier this year. Kudos to those who were there for sure. Uh, the, uh, obviously, um, it was a massive win for the Caps. It sees them in the seventh in the West, eighth in points per game. Two points behind RSL now. Even the, both LA teams, because of the results this week, uh, are within three. So let's go over some of these games. I know you haven't had a chance to watch all the uh, replays, but let's go over the the West in review. First of all, the Colorado-San Jose game, it obviously doesn't seem to mean as much, but Colorado is kind of on a run. 2-1 to, San, uh, to Colorado over San Jose. Uh, Tommy Smith uh, scores early in the, or in the first half with a header. Tim Howard had some big saves for them, kept San Jose at bay. Even Tarbell made a save, but then the 58th-minute uh, conversion by Magnus Erickson. San Jose went down to 10 men. Shakes, I don't know if you saw Shea Salinas. I did, was, I did. Was I, saw, being, I saw that. Yeah, pulled back and then did a wild swing, and it was a straight red card. It was no it, VAR situation here. It looked it like was it was heading. on Shea Salinas. Like. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was surprised at. When I, uh, I saw this, the swing, and then I saw it with Shea Salinas, I was going, what's going on here? Um, and then... It looked like a draw, but then Nana Boateng, late goal, uh, kind of found the net through the winner. Obviously, uh, we normally wouldn't even talk about this that much, but Colorado has been on run. Do you think this could propel them? They got Kellen Acosta. That's kind of seemed to turn their year around. Is it too late for them, or do you think they can come back in this? 
you, I mean, it's MLS, so you can never say never, especially if you have a, a for as awful as Tim Howard's uh, return to MLS has been, you know, he, he showed today, you know, what he can do, uh, even at, you know, his age and the stage of his career that he's at. Uh, so you, you can never, I guess, never say never. However, I think it would be highly unlikely for them to, um, you know, complete, uh, com- complete the, what, you know, the, the, complete their run to, to making a playoff spot. Yeah, it's too many teams to leapfrog. Let's get to another team, Columbus and Houston. Uh, it was in Columbus. Positive Dynamo finished with 11 men. They didn't have anybody sent off, but they were short. They couldn't beat Stefan on a number of times. They uh, and then they gave up a minute goal in injury time. Um, I did. I don't know if you again. I'm going to say this almost every game because I'm not sure what you saw. Uh, Zardes uh, got the goal. He wasn't offside, but Mullins kind of interfered with the play. I thought because he went up for the header, it, it went over him. He didn't. There was no contact. But did you think it was enough to warrant an offside call, or do you think it was a clean goal? Well, first off, I think Houston. It's coming. This is a huge week for Houston. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time they made the the U.S. Open Cup final, and I and I, I'm a little bit surprised that they were able to get by uh, the goats. Uh, you know, in the end, on a on a shootout. Um, so it's like a just a, a huge huge week for them. Um, so so they 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 would have gone into this game even though it was away from home on a high. Um, I've seen the goal, and I think that yeah. It's hard to say. It's hard. It's hard to say that the, the guy, because he, he attempts to play the ball, right? He misses it. It looks like, right? So it's hard to say he wasn't interfering with play when he makes up when he make, literally makes a play for the the header, right? So um, a little surprised that 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 got to stay. But from uh, the perspective of Vancouver, obviously it's good. And if you you know for everyone with you know hashtag save the crew, which this is a big match for the, the you know. You got, you got to be happy for Columbus. Yeah, they got some revenge over Texas, even though it's you know Austin is nearby, <laughs> but it's not exactly what. what oh, it's actually not even that nearby. It's pretty opposite yeah. of the of the state. Um, let's go to the next game. RSL Montreal came through for <laughs> Vancouver. They didn't come back through for them in the Voyagers Cup years ago, but this time they came through. Um, it was a one-one draw. Plata got the early goal when he was taken down in the box just before the half-hour mark. They had a number of chances. Uh, but for once, Evan Bush came up big. Um, last time I remember seeing him, he was playing uh, in the Portland game where he gave up a couple of howlers. Impact tied it. Uh, Yuko uh, Reitla, it was almost a slicing shot, kind of Alan Rochat-like. Um, a really nice shot. Then Montreal had three good chances to take all three points, but Ramondo this time denied him. Um, your thought? Did you watch this one? What <laughs> were your thoughts on it, if you did? Uh, no, this one I haven't uh, seen okay. all the highlights. Uh, but it's a big, it's yeah. a big one for uh, the Montreal coming into RSL and taking a point at least. Yeah, first off, M- Montreal is not doing, you know, is not intentionally doing Vancouver any favors at all. They just they need they need points. They wanna they want to try and uh, you know make it into the playoffs. So um, good for them to get a, an away an away result, right? Like uh, even though it's only a point away from home, um, that's pretty uh, uh, pretty huge for them. Um. Yeah, I mean the the first goal is a penalty, right? It's platter from the spot, right? Platter from the spot, yeah. So it, he was taken down, but like I said, Bush uh, with a number of good saves on his part. Um, next game was Kansas City. It, f- oh, go ahead. Well, yeah, I just I uh, I saw I did see the take the takedown for the penalty. And yeah, it was a little soft. It was a little, but then you got Plata, who's like four foot eight, and if you take him down a little bit, I guess I guess people are going to call it all the time because. 
you know, he kind of probably reminds you of their 10-year-old or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah good, good job to Montreal for fighting back. And yeah, point. for sure. Kansas City went into LAFC and handed them, I, th- I could be wrong, but I think it was their first loss at home all year long. Uh, they struck first. Uh, uh, Fernandez buried a pass from Diego Rubio. Uh, they had a late chance to make it 2 nothing. but Zardes hit the bar. Um, Vela, fin- the, the, the first chance, I only saw the highlights, but Vela finally had a chance at the hour mark. But then uh, a penalty kick for KC. Lopez tried to make a big save, spilled the ball. Felipe Gutierrez tried to head it, but got kicked in the head by uh, Canadian international Dian Jakovic. And um, I thought that it was kind of an iffy call. Uh, so, I, I, But they did review it. Um, I was thinking that maybe they reviewed it. Did the, that review call come from New York because they didn't want LAFC to uh, go down by two. Uh, but they confirmed it by VAR. Sanchez converts. Uh, they had chances, uh, the former GOATs, but they were denied. And, yeah, it looks I – think, I think, like I said, I think their undefeated streak ended today. Or yesterday. Well, in the same way that Houston, um, you know, according to this, Houston would have been on a high of their game against Columbus. You got to figure that uh, the goats were must have been a little demoralized from that semifinal exit of the U.S. Open Cup uh, in a shootout, nonetheless. Um, it was their first. It was their first loss at home this year. They've had this big. Uh, it was their big. Ha- well, not big. It was their hashtag. I think though, you know, you saw Jordan Harvey and a bunch all their players using right defend the bank. Oh, okay. Uh, and uh, so today is the first day where they didn't defend it in league play. Um, so they'll be they'll be disappointed at that. But I mean, they're still they're still in a they're still in a playoff spot. Oh, still, for sure. They're still, but they're still battling. But I, but I think it gets on an expansion team. I think later in the year, and lot they brought in a lot of their uh, players, um, top players, are first time MLSers. I believe uh, maybe the one or two are for uh, like players, but they're top players. And traveling gets on newcomers. We remember uh, famously Pedro Morales. Uh, by the end of the year, the first first year here, he was kind of worn down. And guys like Vela and Diego Rossi, they don't normally travel this much, and maybe the traveling get, get, will get to them, and they could slip up. Yeah, well, I mean, remember at the beginning of the year when everyone's like, "Oh, you know, their squad is so they, they were, sl- I guess, slow in building their squad," you could say. Yeah, yeah. And so it was like, "What? Are, how are they going to cope with everything?" And they, and they have made this deep run into the into the uh, U.S. Open Cup, um, but yeah. I, 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 yeah, and once as you, I can see them, you know, uh, tiring, tiring a bit. I did see the, I did see the, the, the replay of uh, Yakovich's kick, kick, <laughs> kick to the head. And, it was uh, a clear penalty. I don't know why it was reviewed. I'm not sure. No, yeah, I, it, it was. As much as I appreciate Dion as a Canadian international, uh, yeah, there was, there was no question about that. That that was a penalty. Only um, in MLS, only MLS would you review that? Yeah, for but sure. SKC, SKC. I think people need to be worried of SKC, uh, especially with bringing in uh, uh, Christian Namath. Namath, yeah, uh, he was brought in this uh, last week. Yeah, I just said he, he was, you know, pretty deadly when he was there before. Yeah, and I think he'll really, really, really help them again. And a lot of the players are still there, so it's not like he has to gain like uh, chemistry with them. He should be able to pick off where he left off when he was there before. Um, the Galaxy, uh, the other LA team, uh, hosted Minnesota, uh, which is, I, th- I don't know if that's happened this year where both LA teams played on the same day. I could be wrong, but 
It's I don't recall it uh, previous weeks, but what time? What time? Do you know what time of kickoffs were? I forgot. I think there were separate times for kickoffs, but I I, I rarely ever saw the same team because. But of course, like I said, I I don't. I'm not sure. I I, I don't even remember what I had for breakfast this morning, so my memory's not that the greatest. Be, that would have been really cool if you could have gone to both games. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, but oh, L- no, LA traffic though is gonna. <laughs> it might not play into that. You might need a whole day to travel from one place to another. Um, but the I game think, itself. I think they were pretty close. Yeah. Game itself, uh, uh, Romain Lettuce uh, scores uh, in the from like twenty five yards out. Uh, Alice, Alice, uh, that's why I call him Romain Lettuce because I can't pronounce his last name. Um, not much else happened in the first half, but the second half, especially the last hour, that's where all the goals happened. What, what did you What did you What did you think about the opening goal? It was a solid shot. What, I can't remember. Was there something controversial? Well, I, just, I just I just think Mary's robbed that will. Would not be happy with Bobby Shuttleworth on it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. he could have, he could have definitely could have done better to get down to it. But yeah, but it wasn't a decent shot. It was like I said, it wasn't a strike, but as for especially from twenty five yards out. But yeah, I do agree that Shuttleworth should have. It it does take it does take a little bounce, but like it as a keeper, I think you 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 expect you 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 need that kind of save. Yeah, it it was a it was it took a bounce, but it wasn't like a Gershon Kofi twenty eleven bounce over uh, Sean John. Yeah. you know, from the the fire, right? For sure. Um, Boxel came, uh, tied it up. Uh, he raced in the nightmares of Alfonso Davies. Finally, he scored on the second phase header. Nice header from the near post. Uh, I think it might have. I didn't check into it, but it might have been his first ever goal. Uh, do you remember him scoring with the Whitecaps at all? Or I don't think he scored in in league I, play. Yeah, I don't think but... he scored in the Minnesota at all for sure since he came um, back. First off, I, th- that won't. <laughs> That will not. Um, I don't. I don't think you can get rid of uh, the uh, nightmares of Michael of uh, for, my, for Michael Boxel of Alfonso Davies. Like, like, like even the ones so, that he wasn't even at fault for. <laughs> and I think he'll remember that for for, for quite a for quite a while. Yeah. Um. Then less than ten minutes later, Sebastian Lejet. He basically, and they said it on the broadcast too. I didn't even uh, listen to the audio. I was just watching it. And they, they mentioned that the Red Sea parted. And I, I wrote down the Red Sea parted at the same time. And that's exactly what happened. Minnesota's defense just like gave him the space and go, go you know, take on our goalkeeper. And he did. And he beat him, put him back on top. It only lasted another 10 minutes. Um, Romario Barros converted in the six yard box from a counterattack. Nice cross. And then, then this was unbelievable. Uh, and you don't expect this from your captain. Calvo um, gets a real dumb yellow card for time wasting. Basically, it was a free kick. He grabbed the ball. He didn't throw it away, but he threw it way up in the air, like really high up in the air. And it, w- it was very blatant. They gave him a second yellow. He was off right away. Um, there was a shout out t- for his Latin to get a. He was taken down in the ninety fifth minute late, uh, but Toledo told him to get up. So it ended up two two. They split the points and another good result for the Whitecaps. Yeah, again the 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 legit goal like there's like that that can't happen right like no it can't their their coaches their coaches will be just like hey we played this you know res- very respectable game away to L A and and we've thrown it away Minnesota you know, like, based on, on, on like that. based on the Shuttleworth and that second goal Minnesota threw away two goals and they should have won that game I'm sure. That's what Adrian Heath told us after Vancouver, and then I'm sure he's saying that after this game as well. Yeah, the Calvo thing. The one, the one thing that was a little surprising for me is that well, why did why did he leave the field so quickly? 
thought he would have wasted some time. Yeah, exactly. You should have complained a little bit more. You gave him more time to get into the game. Um, but and then and then let's go to today's uh, results. You probably you didn't get to watch Seattle Dallas, are you? Because that was late. I know I I know the result. But yeah, I haven't seen those highlights yet. So essentially, I'll go over it. And, and this is I'm going. We didn't get a chance to uh, remember this, but it was um, it was a pretty good game. A lot of fireworks after the game was over. Um, but early on, it was in the first half. Chad Marshall scored on a header, um, uh, and it was basically one nil. Looked like. It didn't look like Dallas was going to give much, but then they finally put one away. Um, it was Badgie, his first goal since coming over from Colorado for um, Acosta. Yeah, yeah and then, oh, yeah. and then, uh, but that only lasted like you know ten, eleven minutes. Ladero scored a free kick from uh, the right side of the box, and it was basically one of those free kicks where it missed everybody. And the keeper, keeper, uh, the keeper was not in position, and it just went in the far post. Um, and then he took off his shoe, called up uh, whoever he calls up. I think it, they mentioned that he calls his dad. He used to call his dad after every game, and since he passed away, that that's a celebration. So that's nice to see, even though he is a sounder. Um, yeah, he, well, he's following in the footsteps of his fellow Uruguayan uh, uh, Christian Tichero, who did it a number of years ago. Oh. Uh, the, the Chad Marshall goal I've seen, and it is yeah, like. Typical, typical Chad Marshall, near post run on a corner, gets away from Hedges. Hedges will <laughs> will be very disappointed in that. Um, but yeah, the, the those free kick goals where no one gets on on it, it's, it's hard to blame the keeper sometimes, right? Like uh, for the which for, for the, oh yeah yeah the, that's that's yeah. one of those ones that you, you don't expect to score and it just goes in. It's similar to I think. Kumiento did it once uh, in that first year. I remember YP Lee. That was supposed to be a cross, but it ended up being a goal. So yeah, it definitely does happen, and it's it's kind of uh, it, it can really be demoralizing because you expect it to contact somebody that's going up for the header and it just misses everybody. Um, and then uh, this is where the fireworks happen at the near the end of the game, actually in injury time. Um, what's the I can't remember his name, the Peruvian, the one they just signed, Rio Riaz. Oh. <laughs> Raul. Rui Diaz. Rui Diaz. Okay, so he basically was um, he was uh, going up against uh, Riger, I think his name is. Uh, it was a, a defender. And, uh, sorry, Ziegler. Ziegler, Riger. Ziegler, he was going up against. He was, like, basically in front of him. Ziegler was, like, put, you know, getting position on him on a throw-in. Rio Diaz basically uh, throws his head back into Ziegler's face, and then he goes down. With, uh, like, like he got fouled, they give Ziegler the red card, and it was clear and obvious that that Rio Diaz went back into him. Um, I can't remember who the referee is, it's oh, it was one of like it was one of the ones that we always complain about. But the thing is, VAR doesn't even contact him, or he doesn't listen to VAR, and essentially, uh, doesn't even review it because if that's reviewed. I personally think that Ziegler doesn't get the red and it actually goes to Rio Diaz because he's actually the one that made contact with the other person's head on purpose. It was very blatant. Um, just, just before I comment on that, going back to the uh, back to the winning goal, the winning goal was very, very much just like um, Davide's goal against San Jose. Yeah, San, that was in San Jose it was. Yeah, yeah. And I think that was a, a tying goal, I think, at that, at that point. That was a 1-1 draw, I think yeah. you're right. And they, yeah, like for the keeper, like it's you know just you know the kid there, Justin Gonzalez. It's hard for him to you know to do anything 
you know, on that at all. Yeah, but the, what do you, like, are you, like, by, based on my description, are you surprised that they didn't even review that? Was it, I think it was Ted Uncle, right? It was Ted Uncle, you're right, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just watching it right now, actually. But I haven't, I haven't seen the replay. I just saw Ted Uncle give a red card. Oh, okay. They might show it on the replay after the red card gets handed out. But uh, Oh, yeah, here they are. They're okay. showing it. Hang on. Oh, he's, this is live reaction now. You're getting over the radio. Yeah. It's kind of blatant, isn't it? It's like he's like swung his head back into uh, Ziegler's, uh, oh, Ziegler's they, face. They, they, they cut it short. Oh, did they? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you're gonna have to take my word for it because it was yeah. very clear and obvious that that should have been reviewed, and that's and even the commentators on the uh, on the game said that what's the point of VAR if you're not going to review something like that? Because that while it probably wouldn't have affected the game, it, uh, they they said that th- this is definitely going to be reviewed by the whatever committee they have, and it should yeah. definitely be reversed, and Ziegler should be available for next Saturday. Well, here's the here's the thing, right? Like. When you say review, you obviously mean by reviewed by the the referee on the field. Yes, it should have been. Yeah, every everything is reviewed. Right? Yeah, there's people. There are people watching absolutely everything, and uh, yeah, when there's a red card and it's questionable like that, it, there's no excuse for it not being, you know, them calling the ref over to look at it. The only thing I can think of is the ref saying, the ref the ref refusing, and if the ref refuses, then there there must be some kind of internal protocol for what happens. If indeed he's proved to prove to have gotten it wrong, right? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, again, we we've talked about this lots uh, in the last couple of months, but it's weird to see. Like it, it, one, you know, you look at the game, the the Voyagers Cup game midweek, where there is no bar, and how much you want it. Uh, but you also look at how MLS has applied it compared to you know at the World Cup, and you're just like, you know. It's good to have, but there's also like if someone's going to screw it up, you know, count on MLS to do it for sure. And and the, obviously that win brought them within a point, I think, of the Whitecaps, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, let me okay. Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. They're within a point now, and they have a game in hand. Like I said, I think the red card wasn't going to have effect on the standings or anything like that. But I think when you have VAR, you should review that, and and it should have been reviewed on the field itself. But that's yeah, you're, an. You're, you're right. You're right. It is one, the one point behind in a game it had. It's it's cra- It's so crazy tight and from you know, in the in the, in the West, kind of nine and up or yeah. ten and up. Ten and up. Yeah, I think all the teams are basically in it right now. And I think, I personally think that uh, I, I, at this point, based on really uh, knee jerk reactions, I think both Vancouver and Seattle are a good shout to actually make the playoffs instead of them actually competing competing with each other. I think there's other teams that are going to fall before. Uh, Dallas, I'll give you Dallas. They mentioned it on the thing that last year they lost at home and then they lost in Seattle and then they, they basically tanked. And this is the same thing that's happened. They lost at home last week and now they lost in Seattle. And uh, like I said, after the game, tons of pushing and shoving. They had to bring in uh, you know the security in order to bre- – it was a really kerfuffle, probably the biggest one of the weekend. I again because of some of the things that have happened in Dallas this year, uh, and you know they like Kellen Acosta moving on, for example. Um, I can't remember the, the gentleman's name, but the winger guy who the uh, Castillo, yes, uh, the guy who went to Turkey or whatever. Right now that those things have happened, I can't see them collapsing again in the same way they have in previous years, but. Yeah, you never know. Well, I don't I mean, think they they won't collapse enough to miss the playoffs because I think they are okay. far ahead up, but they are going to drop in the standings. I don't think they're going to finish first at all. 
So, Steve, if you if you think if you think the Flounders and and the Whitecaps are going to make it, and they're in seven and eight right now, who do you see dropping out, out other than obviously? Mike Pecky, Salt Lake. I think RSL, and I my bet would be if I were to make a bet right now, and I don't bet uh, usually, <laughs> uh, but if I were to bet, I, I bet LAFC. I think they are primed to miss if if these top players aren't used to the travel and they get worn down as because they're playing a lot of they, games. Those guys, they have a yeah, they have guys who played a bunch of World Cup games too. Yeah, they, they're they're tied on points with with uh, their neighbors, but they have a game in hand on them too. Yeah, but like I said, you have to win those games. But well, that's enough of talk uh, about the MLS West. Uh, we're gonna come back uh, and, and cover the species soccer web headlines after these breaks. Hi, I'm Alfonso Davies, and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting live from CITR Studios at the University of British Columbia. And uh, now we come to part five, where we talk about BC Soccer Web Headlines. Headlines is brought to you by BC Soccer Web, um, your one-stop information site for all your headlines and they all oh, international, national, local, and they all come with links. You can also contribute to BC Soccer Web. If you see a news article, you can always send it. There is a link or a heading, whatever, in on the site, and you can definitely do that. So, Zach, um, I know you've been on the road. Hopefully, you were able to read some of it, and but we'll go over it, and we'll see what we could talk about. Yeah, some good stuff to talk about today. Yeah. Um, uh, first of all, a follow-up. Uh, seven um, more African referees have been banned um, for 10 years to life. And then it, uh, an additional 14 uh, were susp- provisionally suspended. And then they're going to look into that. It basically brings the total uh, to 18 in the last month. Um, that's a big amount. Uh, we were talking about before the... the um, the documentary from Ghana that really exposed a lot of this stuff. And it seems like, uh, they're really going hard on some of these referees. Yeah. Which they should be right. Like this can't be happening. This tarnishes the game, not just in Ghana, not just in Africa, but in the world. And so that needs to be dealt with. Uh, yeah, we know we've talked about in the past, the, you know, football's for sale in Ghana in, in a variety of ways. So it's good. It's good to hear that this is, this is happening. Um, another update, uh, Parma, we talked about them, I think a couple weeks ago, uh, they win, or maybe last week even, they won their points appeal. They will start, uh, Syria on level terms. They were going to be deducted five points. Um, their, uh, fine remains at 20,000 euro. Um, the player involved that was the, he sent, um, a couple of former teammates who were, they were playing for a promotion. They're playing against them. They asked him, he kind of asked him on by WhatsApp to kind of throw the game. Um, and he mentioned, he, he said it was in a joking way. He himself was banned for two years. He's had it reduced to five months, but his fine has increased to 30,000. Um, it didn't mention in the article and I couldn't look back to see how much the original fine was. I think it was a little bit, I think it was 20 or something like that. I think it was 20. Yeah. yeah and so it's been increased to 30. So I think for Parma, it's a good news for the player. At least he's not missing two seasons. It's half a year. So, it, 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 and, and like I said, it seemed like it was in jest. Um, it wasn't, uh, you know, demand to throw away the game. It was kind of in a joking way. So, uh, wh- well, no, th- th- I mean, with this one, again, these things need to be taken seriously. However, remember from the original article, he was like, 
the joke was take it easy on us in this next game. It was so it was again. That's right. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't asking you to throw away. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want match fixing, so you need to take it serious. And I think Syria but, is taking it like whenever they find out about this, they because of the uh, previous scandals, they definitely uh, they're going to be yeah. a hard line stance on this. So I I'm happy. I'm happy Parma won't lose points, and uh, e- even if this is totally innocent, I, unfortunately, uh, Emmanuel uh, Calileo, if I'm pronouncing that right, you know, he's learned a hard lesson, and at least you know. At least it's not two years, uh, you know, of his career gone. Or next time, use the smiley emoji or sarcasm emoji or something. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe that'll help. Um, some news that we were going to discuss last week, but you were away. So, but because I, I really wanted your opinion on this, the Bayern Munich. I think he's the chairman, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Rumenegi. Um, he call. He's calling for the end to the 50 plus rule uh, to en- enable Bundesliga. Clubs to be more effective. It, he he says that this rule basically effectively bars wealthy overseer overseas investors from seizing control of the clubs to to kind of make them more competitive. Um, it is credited with keeping the ticket prices down and getting the stadiums full, giving Germany one of the you know the best fan cultures in European football. But he he says that it's making the German sides less competitive in winning European titles. Um, there was a, a recent attempt to over, overturn the rule. It failed in March when the majority of the 36 Bundesliga and Bundesliga 2 clubs voted for retention of the system, uh, approving a motion tabled by St. Pauli. What are your thoughts uh, overall on this? Do you, are you a big fan? I know you're a fan, uh, you're a supporter of Bayern Munich, and obviously they're the ones, that, well, the head person wants to abolish this. Do you want this to make yourself more competitive in Europe, or are you okay with the way it is right now? Yeah, so Kali Rumenega, I think his, extra, I think his uh, title is uh, CEO. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyways, uh, I, I, and I really appreciate him. He's contributed a lot. However, I don't always agree with, just like Uli Hunas, I don't always agree with uh, some of the things he says or how he says them. One of the things you need to know, though, is whether it's kind of joking or whatever, is is they he's actually said Bayern's okay to stay fifty plus one, but he thinks this would be good for the other teams. He's basically saying, look, the other teams are not pulling their weight when it comes to European competitions and the and the the coefficient for Germany and for challenging for the domestic for the title, right? The the the, the league and the cup domestically. Um, I I I I disagree with him. I, I think fifty plus one is one of the things that makes Germany great. And uh, they've shown that although they might not be able to have long, long spells of dominating in European competitions, uh, how things are set up right now for for them and in the rest of the rest of the world and the differences there, um, that they can still uh, come out on top uh, in, in, the, in the two European competitions. And so I I'm very much a supporter of 50 plus one. I think. It uh, it'll be, it would be fought so hard um, in, in Germany if, if something like this were to if, if they were to change it. Um, it's part of what like see in Germany it, these are not just sports teams like in North America. These are community um, community groups. They're community. They're sport clubs, right? That the, the the way that people identify with them is not the same way that people identify with NHL teams or NFL teams or, or whatever. Like this is your actual community, like where you're from. And as a member, you, you own, you own the club, 
right? I know an MLS and another team, other uh, you know CPL now and all these other places, they're they're using this language of membership, um, but you don't own it. You don't own anything, right? In, in Germany, you own, like you're you, you the supporters of it, the people who own the club, and so I think it's good in principle, and I think. Uh, I think it's good in or it can be good in practice, and I hope I hope it will. I hope I hope the the tide of you know the other the other teams not doing so well in Europe can be can be turned other ways or be, can be changed other ways. Um, yeah, this is not something. Even if they tried to change, it would not happen quickly. And the the way that this would get changed probably is a is a challenge to the uh, CA, CAS, the Court of Arbitration for Sport. And I don't, I don't see that happening any anytime soon. Okay, so and let's get back to uh, some North America now for some news. Um, uh, this the city attorney of San Diego, their appeal has been denied. Uh, the elect, the November election, uh, kind of like um, to see what every the public thinks uh, for a soccer stadium in San Diego is going forward in November. Uh, this is nothing to do, this is a different ownership than what the USL side, the 1904 FC was. Um, so they're going for this. And, and last week, I think, or the week before Garber mentioned that San Diego was potentially part of that MLS expansion. So it's interesting to see there. And that may be the reason why 1904 didn't go through. Um, Columbus Crew. Did you, did you look at the renderings in the article? I did. It looks, it looks decent actually. I, I why did why are they doing these views like oh I don't know make it a whole make it a whole stadium uh, maybe there's a, maybe they have a nice view on the other side the Whitecaps oh, were going to do that too <laughs> to give the there's mountain view there's buildings on the other oh, side. oh is there I can't remember I did, did, yeah you were, I think you're right because I've seen there was actually another um, downtown stadium design that was revealed uh, save the crew unveiled a stadium design for downtown. Um, they, they were quoted in the article saying, we view this stadium design as a launch pad to start a conversation about a future home of Columbus Crew SC following the pure purchase out by local ownership. So they, they definitely have um, that going for them. I don't know how much uh, Garber and uh, PSV, which is the pre-court sports ventures, is going to listen to them. So we'll see. At least they have something to uh, something tangible to go for in the downtown area. And that one looks a little bit like a YouTube, uh, but there is a, yeah, there's a small section on the one side, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know why it's not. I think there must be something that they have uh, in their, uh, the architecture architects or whatever that's saying that this is a better uh, feeling for the stadium. I don't know. You're right. It does seem strange that everybody's going for that. The Columbus one has some sort of roofing type thing over top of it. Yeah. Or at least part of it is weird. Um, Austin, the MLS stadium is, has been delayed until next Wednesday. Um, they were going to be set to vote on it. I believe it was Thursday. Um, and, the, uh, but there were two hours of public comments. There were apparently 20 amendments proposed to the agreement. And so the council decided to table it till Wednesday. Um, there was harsh words, uh, uh, by the Austin city mayor for the, against the other, uh, council members who put these, um, additional amendments in there and he actually called them poison pills that could delay or kill the deal um so it's it's really weird that 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 happened there because there are some uh one example was if uh columbus uh moved again or something like that that they would have to pay a million dollars per year or something like that and there were and there were additional amendments in there too so 
you know, with the news of the Columbus crew stadium design and this Austin stuff, maybe there is some hope at the end of the tunnel. Let's hope so. That's so the vote this coming Wednesday. Sh- that's what they say. It should be this Wednesday. Um, uh, we'll see definitely to see if it goes through. But again, this all we still have the Ohio State uh, court thing that happened, and that maybe has something to do with it. Uh, that maybe that's another thorn in the MLS side to move it. This could be where Austin just gets an expansion team and pre-quarter gets it, and they has to sell to the Columbus to the uh, local ownership if there is local ownership out there. Um, getting news back to Canada. Um, a couple of inter- inter- interesting things, and actually both of them from Manitoba. Um, uh, first of all, uh, there is the first ever soccer festival was held for inner city kids in Winnipeg. Uh, this is by the Manitoba Soccer Association. Um, they held this, uh, normally apparently they hold it other parts of this province, but this is the first time they held it for inner city kids. And they're trying to, maybe they're getting on the Alfonso Davies. Uh, bandwagon where they're trying to identify kids that maybe don't have a chance to play soccer and see maybe they could find a diamond in the rough. Manitoba, it's the uh, Marco Bustos, Keon Froze craze. Oh, for sure, yeah. Oh, yeah, you could give it to them too on that, I guess. Um, also, Valor FC, CPL News. Valor FC has announced that they're going to have their first girls soccer program. It's Elite Girls. Uh, program for players from 14 to 17. Similar to, it seems similar to what the Whitecaps do right now. Yeah, good for them. We know the CPL has not, you know, uh, has not hit the fact that long term they do want to have a Canadian women's league. So uh, these are the kind of things you you these having these kinds of things in place will help that long term you know vision become realized one day. And it brings more uh, uh, eyes to the team as well because you're you're showing that you're not, like, although the league's not available, you're still training the young players to move on. And some of those players um, will go on to NCAA, and the uh, there was announced that eight Canadians were named to the 2018 Mac Herman Trophy watch list. What this is, Mac Herman Trophy is the top, uh, best player in the college uh in, in college soccer, NCAA, and they do a watch list at the beginning of the year kind of to identify some of the um, MVPs or, or like the potential players. So then um, that way it, it kind of gives it like a preseason MVP watch so people can watch these players. There were seven, there were eight Canadians in total, seven were women. Um, a couple of names that people will re- uh, uh, recognize, Jesse Fleming uh, playing at U- UCLA, Deanne Rose, uh, forward playing at Florida State University. There's a couple other ones: Paige Culver, Kent State, Riley Foster, and Bianca St. George at uh, West Virginia. Victoria Pickett from University of Wisconsin. Evelyn Vines from University of South Florida. There was one male player uh, put on yeah, the watch Alex. list: Alex Comcia, former yeah. residency player from Vancouver, BC. He's playing in North Carolina. When I looked at his, I, I saw his picture for the first time in a long time. I did not recognize him because he was a, a I think he's maybe five ten uh, when he was with the residency at sixteen, but he has put on a few inches. He's, I think I think he's listed at six foot, and he looks like a decent uh, you know center back there. So yeah, obviously great to see him. We uh, remember at the residency games, we always talked to his dad. His dad always came up to us, talked to us. So uh, good to see that he's doing well in the NCAA. He's a good 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 kid, and yeah, you hope all the best for him. Whether it's yeah and. I know he had some connections over in Europe, and so whether that plays out after college, or maybe he comes, you know, goes through the the American system with USL and MLS, or if he comes to the Canadian Premier League, or whatever. But yeah, I hope he'll be able to continue his football 
football career. Um, and in terms of those women, uh, I think I might have only have seen you know the two Olympic medalists play before. Yeah. But um, it's just encouraging to see so many Canadians uh, um, that are that are mentioned on the yeah as you said this watch list this uh, just keep an eye on this because. It puts uh, puts eyeballs on these people or eyeballs on these young players, and uh, yeah, hopefully the uh, the added attention is a is a positive thing for them for sure. And I think Kupsia, obviously, the Vancouver Whitecaps aren't going to hold their rights because he hasn't been with the residency program since the U16s. Um, so he'll probably, if he does want to go to MLS, he'll probably go through the draft. But like you said, after he left the residency, he went to uh, I think it was France. I think it was he, Nantes. Was it, yeah, it was. I can't remember which club it was, but it was somewhere in France where he was in their academy program. So interesting to see there. Good to see him, and um, it, it's a definitely a positive for players for Vancouver to see them on some like you know preseason watch list. Um, last story we have here: Canada Soccer introduces club licensing program. So you're gonna have to walk me through this. Hopefully, you know a little bit about this. It's essentially a program designed to raise the standards of soccer development across the country kind of improve overall soccer system and guide soccer organizations towards the best principles of development, both on and off the field. Is this more like a kind of getting everybody on the same page or is this like, it was, I read the whole thing, but it was kind of confusing. It didn't really, it was very vague to me. Uh, maybe because I, I was reading so many articles and when I got to this one, it just didn't, it didn't really click in. So do you know about this and what does this entail? Yeah, basically, yeah, you, you know, you put it in a, a good way there. Yeah, it's getting everyone on the same page. Like right now in this country, Steve, like let's say you and I wanted to start a football club, you know, uh, we could and we could do it however we wanted to. The, what the CSA is trying to do is say, look, if you want to have a club that's, you know, a part of the, the real structure of Canadian soccer in this country, there needs to be standards. There needs to be, you know, and so that's what that's what they're doing. I, I the last couple of weeks, I spent a lot of time on the on the on the ground painting, and uh, I got to listen to uh, I didn't even know what podcast it was, but it was Jason DeVos, and he was talking about all the stuff he's been doing in his time at the CSA, and this is one of them. And so, um, this, this comes this is uh, partly because of Jason DeVos and, and his role with the with the CSA, and so it's good to see some of these kinds of things beginning to happen, right? Because uh, we do need some. We do need to standardize some things, and this is one of them. And so, uh, good to good for Jason and whoever else is involved in, in in making this happen. And hopefully, this is hopefully this isn't just um, hopefully this is not viewed as you know causing problems for existing clubs or whatever. Hopefully, they can they can realize the the long term value of this. Yeah, so that was Headlines, uh, brought to you by BC Soccer Web. Uh, you can catch everything there for links to national, international, and local news and headlines. Um, you, can, you, can, you can also see good pictures of our TIFO from... Oh, from for sure, yeah, week. and that was, a, that was a nice one, even though I think there was somebody complaining on Twitter. I don't think you should have even <laughs> responded to this guy. He is a talented guy, though. I saw his website. He's got pretty good. Uh, he's, a, he's apparently a director. He's an animator, but uh, yeah, he wasn't very happy about it. And a lot, a lot of you guys went after him too. <laughs> uh, we, I don't know what you mean by went after. We well, no, went, not went after. We like, just, but there was like little snide comments about him, and you tagged him into every comment. So it was like he, he definitely, and he responded to a lot of them too. He wasn't very happy at all. 
I think he uh, wished harm on somebody too, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but that's enough of that. Um, where uh, before we wrap up, uh, was it? Uh, did you have any other thoughts on the Whitecaps and and, and going forward into the season? Uh, I know we quickly rehashed the Portland game, but obviously the T, uh, the TFC game coming up the second leg. Yeah, I heard a little bit of the discussion from. Uh... Uh, Nicholas and, and uh, Joe Deasy earlier, and a little bit from you and, and uh, Michael as well. Uh, I'm so excited for Wednesday. Like Wednesday is Wednesday. Do whatever you can to get off work early or whatever, and watch the game at four o'clock. Whether you're stuck in your office building or you're at a pub or at home or with friends, whatever. Like, or you're you're on vacation somewhere. You know, which I will be at vacation. You're gonna be on vacation. So I'll be in uh, in Okanagan. So okay, I might, well I might be actually Canada. because it'd be all smoky and everything. I might be in, indoors most of the day. Anyways. TSN go, man. Yeah. TSN go. Well, like watch this. This is going to be memorable. It's going to be memorable because either Vancouver is going to win uh, the Warriors <laughs> Cup for the second time ever, or something, something like last Wednesday is <laughs> going to happen and they're not. Yeah. It, it should. Um, it, it, it it's always memorable. Even if the win or lose, it's always memorable when the Whitecaps are in the finals. I I'm, I wish I, I just wish I could be in the ground for this. Uh, it, it's going to be, uh, yeah, it's going to be exciting. So uh, uh, t- talking about the guys, I just want to plug them. First of all, obviously their show comes on Wednesday. Like they said, they're not sure if they're going to have a show this week. Um, they're going to definitely try because of the game and everything. But if you want to reach them on Twitter, you got uh, Nicholas. He's at, you can find him at Space Age Robot 56. And Joe is at uh, Joe DZ Van. Um, Zach, where can we find you at? It's at Zachary M on Twitter and I'm part of the Move and Curva Collective. And you can find Michael at AFTN Canada. You can find all his stuff on AFTN.ca. Uh, a lot of articles, a lot of pictures, especially, uh, that, uh, went up, uh, from last Wednesday, really good ones. Um, you can find me, Steve at Whitecaps Beat uh, on Twitter um, so I think that's it. Uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, went a little bit over as usual, but, uh, it's hard to coordinate this stuff when you're doing it over the phone and not in person. Um, so in the meantime and in between time, that's another episode of the AFTN soccer show. Have a good one. Goodbye. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.